This is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time for the Steak for Breakfast podcast. It's Tuesday, November 1st, 2022, and this is the People's Podcast. This is Steak for Breakfast. This is not Nam. This is bowling. There are rules. Today, Junior, America. Steak for breakfast. So stand by. Turn the music up in the headphones. Tim, you can go and brush your shoulders off, nigga. I got you. If you feeling like a pimp, nigga, go and brush your shoulders off. Ladies is pimps too, go and brush your shoulders off. Niggas is crazy, baby, don't forget that boy told you kid. Turn up your shoulders, I probably owe it to y'all. Probably be like this episode of the podcast is brought to you, as always, by Man Rubs. Mm. Rubs, barbecue tools, blow torches, t-shirts, coffee cups, and all-around barbecue-related gear for you to make barbecue great again can be found at manrubs.com and on Instagram, manrubs. Use the code STEAK15 for 15% off. Also brought to you by Stay Ready Gear. They're at stayreadygear.com and on Instagram, stayreadygearusa. Holsters, custom kydex, mag carriers, tourniquet carriers, on and off-duty gear, hot melted plastic made just for you. Need something custom? They got you covered. Use the code STEAK for 5% off. Don't get ready. Stay ready. Pillow King of Minnesota and the apparatus known as the MyPillow family. Got that overstock sale going on right now. We've got Percal bed sheets, Erlindell's version one and two, the My Slippers, of course, everything pillow related, and Giza Dream Everything. If you're more of a morning person, my coffee is launched, available in the bean, bag, and in the pod. Get in promo code steak at checkout, you're getting big, big savings. MyPillow.com forward slash steak for anything sleep related. MyStore.com forward slash steak for the coffee. Or you can talk to a qualified pillow representative. 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear. The world's most technologically advanced in-studio recording equipment specializing in headphones can be found at Odyssey. Whether you're gaming, potting, brushing ducks off your shoulder, get those ear needs taken care of and done upright. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. Our good friend Alan has launched the Patriot Cigar Company, hand-rolled from the fields of Nicaragua, right next to where Mike Lindell picks his coffee beans. Long smoke, even better toke. You enter promo code STEAK there, you're getting 15% off. All orders over $100, free shipping, and a $10 e-gift card for every purchase. MyPatriotCigarCompany.com is the website, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. Mike down at West Coast Survival Arms has been servicing Southern California for over a decade. He's a licensed FFL. If you're into the tradesies and don't live in Canada, he's got a five-star rating. His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is WestCoastSurvivalArms.com. He's on Facebook Messenger and via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Steak for breakfast packs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. While they're off duty, they're probably wearing gear from Mediocre Medic. Sweatshirts, t-shirts, flip-flops, fanny packs, and more. Stickers and patches for while they're on the job. Also, you got a pretty fire IG. Mediocre Medic is the website. And last but certainly not least, the gold standard of tactical flair and home of the Zero Fuck Stuck. Still don't know? Go ask Mark Joe Friday. Dumpbox.us. You can find him on Instagram. You can find him on Facebook. Friends, don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at Steak for Podcast Breakfast or on the website at SteakForBreakfastPodcast.com. There you'll find a link tree that'll take you to all our social medias, the website, our newest Substack, Telegram channel, and more. On that note, to all our friends joining us today on the Patriot Podcast Network via the Roku app, from the Twitterverse, Instagram, Discord, and now via our verified accounts on Getter and True Social. Welcome, Tuesday edition, week away from the midterms edition, Steak for Breakfast Podcast, episode 183. 
I'm Roan. Noah's here. Yo. Guys, we got a great show lined up. Some good friends coming in. We're going to be talking a lot of the happenings that have been happening over the weekend. In addition to that, we're going to jump right into the news. Earlier this year, the Department of Homeland Security published its, established its own Ministry of Truth. It was so ridiculous it had to be disbanded almost immediately. The woman running it was so far out, she was a parody and discredited the censorship movement. But that doesn't mean DHS has stopped trying to censor you. Mm. Oh, they are. You just didn't know about it. Thanks to The Intercept, which just obtained many years of internal documents from DHS, we know that companies like Facebook and Twitter have been working closely with the Biden administration to quote curb speech that the administration doesn't approve of. Emails also show that Twitter's top censor, Vijay Gotti, which was fired by Elon <laughs> Musk, met every month with the Biden administration censors at DHS to talk about new ways to get you to shut up in unconstitutional fashion. Lee Fang broke this story. He's an investigative journalist at The Intercept. He joins us tonight. Lee, thanks so much for coming on. This seems like a really important story, which is for some reason being ignored. Um, do we get the outlines thanks right? The me. administration is working with the tech companies to censor people. Yeah, that's right. You know, Tucker, uh, we looked at really hundreds of documents that paint a vivid picture of the FBI, the DHS, closely collaborating with the top social media platforms, Twitter and Facebook, to censor uh, various forms of content under the banner of fighting disinformation. And the story shows a couple of things. One, it shows what you just mentioned, a very cozy relationship between the government and these tech giants. Um, there's those monthly meetings that you just mentioned, uh, but also just very cozy emails and, and texts. Um, not a very adversarial relationship. You know, we looked at one text where Microsoft executive texts uh, Jen Easterly, the top disinfo um, director at DHS appointed by Biden, basically saying the government needs to get, the private sector needs to get more comfortable with the government. Um, they're closely collaborating on reports talking mm -hmm. about the expanded role for DHS in censoring a really broad uh, collection of, of, of topic areas, of, of, of policy and political topics. And, you know, just broadly speaking, uh, the story also just looks at the mission creep of DHS. This, this is an agency that was founded in the aftermath of 9-11 to combat foreign terror threats of al-Qaeda and the like. Um, but over the last five years, it's kind of uh, evolved in its mission. It's moved towards fighting disinfo, and their justification is, you know, uh, disinformation radicalizes uh, the homeland. It can lead to disruptions in public health or in political violence. Um, so they, they, yeah. they have a justification. We have these documents, and, and they're pushing forward uh, with this broad uh, censorship agenda. Criticizing the people in charge is dangerous. Um, you know, I, I don't know why you did this story at the, at the Intercept. I'm just so grateful that you did. It's a great story. It's a huge public service. I hope you're rewarded for it. I doubt you. What do you think, Noah? Well, sounds like everything's above board and on the up and up. <laughs> Oh, man, all we want to do is talk about the friggin' midterms. And, and then, you know, The Intercept drops this bomb yesterday morning. And not only did they have receipts, they had receipts on receipts, emails, text messages, uh, statements from anonymous sources who are closely linked to the Department of Homeland Security, etc. Um, let's see. Crushing all narratives counter to the regimes regarding elections um, and anything covid I know you saw that article that came out yesterday that, you know, it, it was an op-ed piece from The Atlantic, but mm -hmm. it, they are one of the speaker boxes for 
the Biden regime stating that maybe we need a, a soft reset on the COVID narrative. Oh, the, uh, what was it? COVID, uh, start, wanna... starts with an A. What word am I looking for? Mulligan? Assholes. Oh, yes, that too. <laughs> oh, man. So, Noah surprised? No. Me either. Uh, we've been saying since day one that they continued, that, you know, they've just been doing this the whole time. And uh, they never stopped, regardless of, you know, whatever anybody thinks or if Nina Jankowicz didn't get her job to head that agency with the Department of Homeland Security. We, we remind everybody and when everybody posts about it, how that was like one of our biggest W's of this year. The New York Post article saying that Joe Biden essentially rebranded that entire department. He made Kamala Harris the head of it and uh, added being mean to trans people online as like one of the disclaimers and boom, there it was. Nice. Yeah. Well, the good news is that Kamala Harris isn't capable of doing anything, so that's probably the best person who could lead it. But who doesn't like a good Venn diagram? Oh, I thought you were going to say Hummer. <laughs> so, all right. So we all know that this is going on. Now, again, welcome to the show. Uh, a couple programming notes. I want to remind everybody, a week from today, on November 8th, we will be live. Um, I think we're going to be starting about 8.30 Eastern, 5.30 Pacific, right when the polls are getting ready to close on the East Coast. And uh, we'll have a live show. So far, we've got some great guests coming in here. Uh, Christina, Bob, Eric Knight, Mike Crispy, Cash Patel, just to name a few. We'll have some more lined up over the course of this week. And again, if you haven't jumped in on Saturday mornings to our live show, The Great Steak Breakfast, we do a collab event with Alan Jacoby, who uh, runs The Great Divide podcast. He's a uh, bullpen guest on this show frequently and one of our great friends. You need to check it out. The links are all over our social media. It's kind of a rerundown of the entire week that was. Any breaking news that's happening after our show is done recording on Friday and up to Saturday morning. And uh, with good commentary and live. So if you want to get in the chats, you want to ask us some questions, be interactive with us, things of that nature, please subscribe to the Rubble channel. Give it a share. But, uh, well, all right, let's go down some, uh, you know, they're crushing what they consider disinformation. But let's see what the current regime went out and did over the course of the weekend regarding said disinformation. I saw, well, Noah's favorite Biden regime member, KJP. Mm. Mm. She jumped on uh, MSDNC this weekend. To, uh, you know, what, what are you rubbing your face for? She had some good talking points. Sure. Finderless, at least. Uh, well, let's get into how, how the current regime is starting to spin everything regarding disinformation. Yet still, there's inflation. There's a fear of looming recession. Poll after poll shows show that voters trust, they say they trust Republicans more than Democrats uh, when it comes to the economy. What's the administration's response uh, to that persistent view among the electorate? So first, we have always said we understand what the American public is dealing with. We understand really? that there are high costs and we understand that they're feeling very squeezed right now. Uh, the president <laughs> always says this and you hear him say this all the time that he wants to make sure that we give Americans a little bit more breathing room, which is you know, what his thing. dad used to say when he grew up in Scranton and dealing with oh. these kitchen uh, kitchen table issues. So when when the president walked into this administration, uh, the economy was in ruins. He said, it was Ow. an absolute ruins. So there we go. Strongest economy in the history of our country was in ruins when Joe Biden assumed office. That's, that's just, a, just I don't f- remember it being like that. Flat out lie. Is that disinformation if I don't remember that right? Well, no, it, it's not disinformation because they're telling you it's not. Oh, that's going to be the theme of our cold open today. <laughs> so it's information, but not the right information. Listen here, Sonny. Oh. You want to knock on your door? 
You're lucky you have one. Mm. Barack Obama hit the campaign trail. Mm. Uh, we'll be touching on that throughout the course of the show. And uh, depending on what state he was in and what, so mad. what fake accent he was using. Um, oh, gosh. It's just sad to see. You know, just the president before Donald Trump could barely fill a high school gym, probably with some paid actors. And Donald Trump could go anywhere on less than a week's notice and get tens of thousands of people and break attendance records and just talk for 90 minutes. So, all right, let's jump into some absolute truths from the 44th president of the United States. Let's hear it. Some of you here are on Social Security. Some of your parents are on Social Security. Some of your grandparents are on Social Security. You know why they have Social Security? Because they worked for it. He sounds different. He's in they Georgia. They worked hard jobs for it. They have chapped hands for it. Oh God. What? They had long hours and sore backs and bad knees to get that Social Security. And if Ron Johnson does not understand that, Sorry, Wisconsin. If he understands giving tax breaks for private planes more than he understands making sure that seniors who've worked all their lives are able to retire with dignity and respect, he's not the person who's thinking about you and knows you and sees you, and he should not be your senator from Wisconsin. What are they chanting? It sounds terrible. I mean, the message he's sending is pretty clear. If you're related to him, if you donate to his campaign, you get a deal. If you're not, you're out of luck and you're on your own. Oh, God, stop it. Well, uh, I decided to take out a different tempo of my speaking. Uh, I was channeling more of a a gospel church leader. There you go. (laughs) Like, what the fuck, man? Catering to the uh, Milwaukeeans. Mm. You know, I, I, I while you're doing your impersonations, I do have uh, your favorite saved on deck for when mm. Christina Bob comes on the show in a bit. Nice. Um, but, yeah, so there you go. I went and did some uh, deep diving over the weekend. Number one, do your own research. You got to remember that at all times. So to this point, and, and granted, they're still a week away from Election Day, zero that I could find candidates that are running for the U.S. House and U.S. Senate have campaigned on sunsetting Social Security and Medicare. However, the Democrats made that one of the centerpieces of their fake news narrative. We've heard it in detail. Several candidates in debates, when you can actually get the Democrat opponent to debate, has pointed out the fact that they're running these ads and they're just not true. Uh, The same narrative goes for abortion. Um, And I just think that, uh, you know, again... Look at what the Department of Homeland Security is doing and the Department of Justice at the, at the behest of Joe Biden in regards to censoring conservative voices and their platforms across everything. And look at the stuff that's been allowed to go all over Facebook, all over Twitter, Instagram uh, of, of these Democrat candidates and former presidents and people like that who just spout untruths and, and are allowed to their, their platform is risen. Um Another big one that we're going to hit in the fake news, not fake news, because they told you it's not fake news narrative. Okay. Mm. So you all saw what happened with Sexapalooza last week, right, Noah? Sexapalooza? Nancy Pelosi's husband. Oh, yeah. Right? Kind of weird. 
The whole thing is weird. First of all, it was a hammer off. A homeless illegal immigrant with an extensive criminal record, nudist who supported Black Lives Matter and the trans agenda, was allowed to scale the fences at the Pelosi complex, right? Ah. Uh, Stick with me here. Ring the doorbell? Make it to, well, first send, of, send a personal text message. There you go. Of Broke in through a sliding glass door. Glass was all on the outside. Makes total sense. Yeah, that's generally not how that works. There were two hammers involved. Was it a double-ended hammer? During the course of this altercation where both men were apparently in their underwear, Paul Pelosi was able to go to the bathroom and call 911, refer to the person as an intruder and a friend in the same call. And when the police arrived, nobody was attacked until they came into the house to where he did not use his own hammer but was able to secure Paul Pelosi's and then hit him in the head with it. Even though he put a the Speaker of the House's husband in the hospital, by hitting him in the head with the hammer, he was also... Not killed by police officers who were responding to that attack. Were they matching hammers? <sighs> Was it matching underwear? The only thing that's missing from this story literally is <laughs> what, a ball what, gag. What material was the underwear? <laughs> I've, I've just been commenting everywhere with uh, Mr. Slave gifts. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That makes no sense. It, it doesn't. No, but like, like, first of all, the Speaker of the House uh-huh. says house. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. They don't have security. They don't have. Oh, they, let me guess. They've denied the uh, security footage. Yes, to this point, of course, and right. to this point, no body cam footage. Would that be? I mean, when there's a shooting, it's released within 24 hours. This is a different kind of shooting. Mm. So, anyways. Democrats took to the airwaves to talk about how MAGA Republicans not only committed the crime, but were the ones who instigated it as well. Once we found out that that was not only untrue and well, really weird. The guy was a, the guy was a little wacky. He was making all sorts of commentary that could have been construed as both sides from what I've been reading. But fact of the matter is, I think Paul Pelosi has a thing. Oh, yeah. So isn't he known for fre- frequenting gay bars? And mm. no, that's Richard Gere. Oh, yeah, that's true. Let's hear uh, the man who's in charge of getting Republicans elected, Tom Emmer, talk about how uh, it was poor form for them to try to blame this on Republicans. Tom Hammer? Mm. I never saw anyone after Steve Scalise was shot by a I'm Bernie Sanders right supporter now, trying to equate, equate Democrat now. rhetoric oh. with those actions. Please don't do that. that no, okay. Talking to you, Noah. Looking at your <laughs> candidates. Republican candidates have spent more than $116 million on ads that mention Speaker Pelosi by name in this cycle. If this is about the issues, why should you make it about the issues? Why not depersonalize it? It is absolutely about the issues. It's about the fact that we have double-digit inflation, you don't exploding, think- exploding cost of living. We've got a crime wave across this country that is In the direct moment, result. we are eight days out. Don't you think this needs to change? Why not Again, pull some of these ads? Why not just delete your tweet? I'm sure, I'm sure people like to talk about anything but what the Democrats have done to this country, which, quite God. frankly, is exploding cost of living, a crime wave in our major cities that is the result of this defund the police nonsense and cashless bail. I mean, you look at New York City, where you put someone in jail at 9 p.m. for uh, assaulting someone on the street, and they're back out on the street at 9 a.m. committing crimes again. You look at my uh, uh, state of Minnesota, Minneapolis it has 6,000 assaults since the beginning of the year, Margaret. Mm-hmm. Those are the issues that are top of mind for every voter in this country. Yeah. That's why they're going to show up in on the uh, 
at, on November 8th, mm-hmm. and that's why Republicans are going to win in the midterms. That's what our projections are showing. But I would suggest more pink slips, fewer weapons in our ads in this environment. Sir, thank you for joining us. Face the Nation will be right back. Stay with us. That's Deface the Nation, CBS's uh, crown jewel of the fake news weekend. Why is everybody saying top of mind now? Because <sighs> KGP stated it, so that means it's a regime talking point. How mm-hmm. dare you? Tony, you're going to get that door knock. Keep it up here. They're telling you what the truth is. So because... Because Republicans ran ads stating that they are going to physically remove the gavel from Nancy Pelosi's hand, a homeless, gay, illegal immigrant with a long, extensive criminal record and a Ziploc bag full of gerbils hit Paul Pelosi in the head in his home with a hammer, his own hammer. Where is he from? Canada. Mm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Canadians can be illegal. (laughs) Are you spreading dis, miss, or malinformation? We 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 know Kathy Hochul went out there over the weekend and talked about how crime has has drops significantly in New York City, to which we all laugh. The gals from the View this morning wanted to uh, continue to stump on her fake news narrative. Let's hear him champion this absolute truth from the Biden regime. There is no both sides here. And a lot of them like to say it, including Ted Cruz when he was here. And I'd like to remind everybody that it was the Democrats, the not the Democrats, who stormed the government that day and tried to kill the vice president. Yeah. Okay. And the Republicans now coming up to the uh, next election, which is next week, by the way, um, all they do is talk about crime, crime, crime. Well, I looked it up. Murders in major cities have fallen by 4% so far in 2022 Ooh. compared with the same period a year ago. So but, crime is not on the rise. It's actually going down under Joe but, Biden. But what if- so the, the reason that that's not a true narrative and, and should be labeled for false and, and misinformation, you got to remember the FBI crime stats came out. We talked about it on the show. They just so happened to leave out New York, Washington, D.C., and Chicago out of the uh, yeah. murder rate-a-thon. Bullshit, Leo. Yeah. Come on, you don't like it? Ah, it's just a fucking travesty. Everything that's going on, like those fucking cackling cows just warping people's brains that are still watching them. Like, I mean, the only the only way you could get me to watch that show and and probably enjoy it is if it was a sealed room and you were filling it up with water <laughs> and turn the orcas free. <laughs> well, they, they might, they might make Megan McCain part of their pod, mm. but they're definitely eating Joy Bearhart. Um, of course, MSNBC and their weekend panel talking about the midterm elections had their absolute meltdown uh, regarding this little narrative, crime, the Paul Pelosi spin, and, and Elon Musk tweeting out that, you know, sound kind of weird. I also have to, uh, you know, combating this not disinformation, disinformation. I don't know if you saw last night, Noah, Mark Fincham's Twitter account was locked mm. to where everybody took to Twitter and said, how do you have someone who's running for a prominent position here in a major race have their account locked for no reason seven days before the election? Elon Musk looked into it. He tweeted that he was looking into it, unlocked within an hour. So it was just one of those fucking ass javelins on their way out. They were just like, meh, I'm going to leave and get fired anyway. So like I said, what, last show? It's exactly what I said was going to happen. Yep. A bunch of these mouth-breathing retards on their way out are just going to, you know, throw the levers and switches and fuck everything up. Elon's changed his profile narrative to Twitter complaint hotline operator. Nice. <laughs> and uh, we did see another one of them fired. It was pro- This was probably the person that, that locked Mark Fincham. Every time they do it, I just screen capture their tweet and write press S. 
<laughs> so Sarah Personet. Hi, folks. Just wanted to share I resigned on Friday from Twitter, and my work access has been officially cut off as of last night, which means that she was still going through her work shit, probably banning as many people as, as she could and, and inserting into the algorithms ways for us to not be able to get our, our message out there. Mm. Um, yeah, so the, the house cleaning continues, but let's hear uh, MSNBC and their weekend panel cry about it a little bit. It cabal style stuff. The idea that the world is secretly run by this new world order uh, and it is trying to censor you. It's trying to prevent the world from seeing what's really going on. And that Nancy Pelosi and people like that, those people uh, in the QAnon spaces right now, those people are at the top of that sphere. They are at the top of that pecking order when it comes to how people believe in conspiracy theories. And I I do want to stress this. Um, Right now, trending on Twitter Mm -hmm. is the lie about this guy. It's the lie that it's trending. It's trending on Twitter as we speak uh, because Elon Musk pushed it uh, on Saturday or yesterday. Sorry. Uh, I just want to make it clear how they got to this place. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, first of all, lies on the Internet move faster than the truth. God, the amount of and that's in part why there are all these safeguards that Elon Musk is trying to take down on Twitter right now. Um, the lies that were pushed were from bad pieces of information they found. For example, they said that. Uh, Paul Pelosi was uh, in his underwear. Of course he was, 2.30 in the morning at the time he was attacked. They, that led them to believe this was a lover's quarrel between two different people that Sounds knew like each other. The, the, the reason they believed they knew each other is because the police put out a statement saying that they didn't really know who opened the door. So they, that led them to believe there was a third person in the house. Mm-hmm. So from there, there was this world building on the pro-Trump internet. What could be the opposite of reality There's here? pro-Trump internet? And the opposite of reality they came up with was these two people were having a lover's quarrel in a house and the police sort of intruded on us. It's fundamentally incorrect. It was pushed by the richest man in the world. And then yesterday, it was pushed by Donald Trump Jr., who posted a picture of underwear and a hammer and said it's a Halloween costume for Paul Pelosi. <laughs> if we don't cut this out right now, not just the normalization of violence, But the idea that reality can't even exist anymore because it cannot catch up to the lies on the Internet. Mm. I'm not a scholar on authoritarian history, but I've I've read Hannah Arendt. I've read all these people. Mm -hmm. You're you're like 25 years old. This is how it gets really bad. This is the start of something that gets really, really bad. If you are getting the guardrails off the truth, where it literally cannot catch up to the lies on the Internet because of how the pipes work, how the system works, because of the incentives of the richest people in the world then that's how you lose your democracy. Oh, so, my God. I guess you could see where all the fired Twitter execs are going to find work now. Like, what the jump to normalizing violence? And what did he say? Who did that? Hey, listen, you're taking democracy off the rails now. I mean, wasn't the assailant wearing his underwear as well? Yes. And that's confirmed, right? Yes. He seems to have neglected to mention that part. They both had hammers. It's hammer time? They may or may not have been gerbils. Where did the gerbils thing come from? Is that just... South Park. Perfect. That's where everything comes from. (laughs) (laughs) And generally, they're on target. They're they're the only ones... Oh, I can't wait for the Paul Pelosi episode. Oh, my gosh. He's fucked up twice now, so, you know, they're going to be targeting him at at some point in the near future. He'll be... be... You know, maybe maybe the window was broken because he crashed his car through it. <laughs> but he wasn't driving. But I thought he was the only person. Well, yeah, that too. Let's put the crown jewel on this. Fake news crying Chuck Todd. 
on NBC's weekend show, whatever the frig it's called this week in fake news probably, had election denier turned regime speaker box Amy Klobuchar on. We've played clips of her denying multiple elections, including Donald Trump's resounding victory over Hillary Clinton. And uh, they've rounded it off here with, uh, you know, continuing to push the narrative by now having people, not just pundits, but elected Congress people in there talking about how we need to cancel Elon Musk and the entire Twitter platform. You have to do something about this amplification um, of this election denying hate speech that we see on the Internet. Now that Elon Musk runs Twitter, do you trust him? Do you hear what she said? Election denying hate speech? Uh, No, I do not. What uh, what's your biggest fear of him running this um, running this social media platform? Well, I think you have to have some content moderation, because Uh when you look at what this guy was looking at, he was looking at uh, just horrendous things you don't even want to talk about on your show. He was posting anti-Semitic tropes. He was showing memes um, that showed violence and all of this election denying uh, pro-Trump MAGA crowd rhetoric. That's what we're dealing with here. And if Elon Musk has said now that he's going to start a content moderation board, that was one good sign. But I continue to be concerned about that. I just don't think people should be making money off of passing on this stuff that's a bunch of lies. You couldn't do that on your network. Nope. Chuck, Wait, you, nope. we have real rules. you guys That's look right. at That's commercials right. and you decide if they are false or not. That is not a requirement of these companies. And we have to change the requirements on these companies. They are making money off of us. They are making money off of this violence. Off we- of this violence. What the fuck is she talking about? <sighs> Listen, that is the non-disinformation <sighs> news of the weekend. Once we found out that Joe Biden... And all of his friends down at DHS are crushing our narratives. They sent every single operative they have working for them, and some that are on their way out at Twitter, to do the dirty work of crushing the real narrative. At the end of the day, I could give two shits about Paul Pelosi and his weird sexual shit that he's involved with. Um, but the fact of the matter is, is the can stir that it... Can you blame him? <clears throat> the stir that it caused. I, I, I think that that's the biggest, uh, the, the biggest take there. We're not even a week, well, we're just over a week away from Elon Musk assuming the helm. He's fired people, but he hasn't really done anything to change anything about Twitter. Maybe the algorithm's been eased up a bit. Uh, Maybe accounts aren't getting nuked as frequently, but they still are. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, look at the meltdowns over non-news stories. The Paul Pelosi thing is a non-news story in this election cycle, in this current update cycle. And what we need to do is continue to hammer that narrative home. Now that it's past us, we're, we're a week away. It's a hey, happy first day of Doug Vember. No, mm. yes, it is. We've finally reached it. I hope you had a great Oztober. Mm-hmm. I think we did. Uh, we're we're going to hear from John Fetterman later in the show. You don't sound enthused. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> but don't worry. We're going we're gonna to have a lot of fun. We've got one of our great friends coming in right now. All right, joining us first on the show today, she's the official spokeswoman for the 45th president of the United States, Donald J. Trump. Miss Liz Harrington, thanks for coming back on the show. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. Here we are, a week away from big things. Um, Liz, what can you tell us? Just a generic update uh, from the top, and then we'll get into a couple specific things. Yeah, we're a week out. We have a ton of amazing America First 
candidates that President Trump is rallying for uh, starting Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I mean, it's going to be incredible. The finish line for this uh, is is really amazing. He's going to be all over the place. Uh, he's going to be in Pennsylvania. He's going to be in Florida. He's going to be in Ohio, Iowa. It's really exciting, and I think um, we got to win. Uh, that's the message. Now, we, we saw in the beginning, uh, shortly after the end of the primary season, polls that showed all of those Democrat paid for, I'm air quoting, America first candidates that made it through the primaries. Most of the candidates that made it through the primaries that Donald Trump endorsed were some of the strongest ones and won by the largest margins. Uh, And some of the political outsiders who won by closer margins did it against incumbents. So it's just as big as a probably, you know, 10 point margin, in in my opinion, when you, you know, primary a sitting incumbent. Um, And and here we are now. Uh, Nobody spent more money. No one's put in more time. No one's done the work that Donald Trump has uh, during this election season. How important is it that we cross this finish line with an overwhelming majority in this, in the house and then take back the Senate on November 8th? It's so important. It's arguably the most important uh, election in history, really, because otherwise we've seen what's happened, the corruption, uh, the out-of-control regime that we have right now, they'll have nothing stopping them. And look what they've done to destroy the country in just under two years. So it is so crucial. Um, that's why President Trump's been so involved. That's why the organization's called Save America. That's exactly what it's about. Uh, and just to give you some perspective on this, and you mentioned the primary uh, endorsements. And his record, the last two election cycles, is 98.65%. That's his win rate. And it's incredible. It's never been done before. And like you mentioned, these are not, you know, easy races. They're not uh, just, you know, easy picks he's making. He's making tough decisions. He's putting people across the finish line in very competitive primaries. And I think it's proven the people that the candidates he chose are in such great positions now for victory a week from today. And it's because he saw something in them. It's because they're America first, because they're running on common sense. And that's what people are really crying out for. That's what I think the issues are. I was just reading a headline. So much of what this election's about, obviously, is the economy and the gas prices and the food prices and crime education, but it's also what these Democrats have done uh, over the past several years uh, with these COVID policies and the lockdowns and what they've done to children. And this is so out of control, what they've done with power. And I think that's what the reckoning is going to be. Never again, do not allow uh, these out of control tyrants to put masks on your kids and to force these mandates and so much of that. So President Trump's always been on the right side of these issues and he's leading on these issues and these rallies, I think are gonna really get more people out to vote on election day. And I think it's gonna be a big election. Liz, does it surprise you now that, uh, you know, based off of what you just said, the Democrats just went out and pretty much doubled down. We've seen in debates over the last you know, few weeks, uh, Tim Ryan, we've seen Mark Kelly, Kathy Hochul. Uh, well, he hasn't rallied because he, we can't find a soapbox big enough for him to stand on. But Josh Shapiro all basically say that, you know, you've had people go on across the, the Sunday morning news circuit this weekend and say that, you know, 
the whole element of Democrat-ran cities uh, and, and the spiking crime rates are just made up and that Republicans don't have the data when that's unequivocally true. Uh, most of these places now are, are virtually unlivable. And it's not just in the major cities. It's gone out into house races. We've seen it, you know, impact some of the biggest parts of the suburbs because where there's crime, there's drugs. Where there's drugs, there's junkies and homelessness and, and the fentanyl epidemic that Joe Biden has helped bolster across this country over the last two years as well has really contributed to that. They're just so arrogant, though, in, in, in their stance on sticking with the voting record, you know, going back to talking points, election deniers, abortion abolishers. Uh, you know, and, and things like that, like, you know, now, now they were calling us data deniers over the weekend. And, and we know that that's not true as well. Data deniers. Yeah. Kathy Hochul said that we were data deniers because uh, murders are down. It's in not places. even a good line. Yeah, like they're, they're really losing a step here. The election denier doesn't make sense. No one's denying that an election was held. <laughs> we're, we're, we're saying that the election was very corrupt. That was held. Mm. They need to come up with some better terms here. But it doesn't surprise you at all to see them just double down on their politics and and basically threaten people with you're getting more of the same if you vote Democrat. Right. What choice do they have, though? They (laughs) have to keep lying. Um, But the thing is, you can't you literally have to convince people to not not believe the evidence that's right in front of them. And sometimes that works, I guess. But it's pretty hard to. run away from these issues when they're hitting people right in the face every single day. Every time they fill up their tank, every time they go to the grocery store, every time they try to leave their house in these areas and people feel unsafe and for good reason. And you don't need someone to tell you that. You don't need, you know, a Republican politician to say, ooh, like, be scared. No, it's the situation in these communities because of the policies, because they're literally letting criminals out. And they're weaponizing law enforcement against political opponents. And that's what they're doing in New York. It's very clear. And there's a reason why people are fleeing the state in droves. It's because it's unsafe. It's because it's become a miserable place. It's terrible. It's terrible what's happening. And that's why Kathy Hochul is now trailing in the Trafalgar poll. I mean, because people have just had enough. They've had enough. And they are so arrogant. They think they can just lie and get away with it. They think they can just cheat and get away with it. But people are are awake. They are awake. They're not just sitting by idly by and letting this happen to them. They're getting involved, the local level, they're getting engaged all up and down the ticket. They're knowing uh, who the candidates are, who they want to support. And we've seen that throughout the primaries and we're seeing that now. And I don't think there's much that they can do. They're going to try, they're going to continue with the same tactics, but at the end of the day, I mean, the truth is just too powerful for them to overcome. No, that's it's the case right there. And, uh, you know, the fact of the matter, we're, we're at a circle the wagons portion of the uh, campaign season and all hands on deck. We, we've seen a lot of people out working hard over the past couple of weeks. Uh, you know, even Ron McDaniel and, uh, well, Kevin McCarthy yesterday went all the way up to Joe Kent and uh, did an event with him. I thought that was pretty ironic since Joe Kent's come on the show. I don't know what almost a dozen times over the course of the primary season and talked about how Kevin McCarthy tried to tank his uh, candidacy. But here we are all working together. Ron DeSantis was out over the weekend in a couple states. So was Glenn Youngkin, all, all trying to get these candidates over the finish line. And then several of the senators who uh, 
you know, know when it's time to work and know when it's time to get these these candidates in on November 8th, just just doing the things that we need to. Is it good here at the end of the cycle? I mean, obviously, whatever's going to happen with Mitch McConnell is going to happen with him. We've talked about it several times when you were on. But uh, to see everybody else out there working on, on behalf of the American people trying to get these candidates in. Absolutely. And I think we have to be unified in order to win. And I think that's that's actually a great thing for these America First candidates who got through these primaries. And now the people are so behind them that it really puts the onus on leadership. It puts the onus on uh, people in Washington to see what to wake up to see what's happening and to see where the party actually is. And it's for these great Patriots, I mean, th- these candidates we have, I think, are incredible. They're they're the best crop of candidates I think we've ever seen. When you look at a Joe Kent or a Carrie Lake or a J.D. Vance uh, or Doug Mastriano, and it, the list goes on and on and on. And it's incredible. And we need them. We we need more people in Washington, uh, aside from you know Donald J. Trump when he was there, and he he could have used like all these amazing people in Congress for the first part of the first term. Um, it's going to be great to have more than just, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene and, you know, a handful of others. We do have a lot of good people, but they need reinforcements. And I think that's what they're getting. And it shows, it shows that the majority, the vast majority of the Republican party, vast majority supports president Trump. They support our policies. They support common sense. And that's where the people are. They're not uh, this, you know, never Trump, uh, endless wars, open borders, uh, re- Republican Party of old. They're not, that's not where the party is. And so it's been great seeing these outsiders come in, get so much support and, and do so well. And, and we have to get them across the finish line. We have to have them win a week from today um, because th- this we're not going to get any change otherwise. We have to get these great people in. And I think it's great to see uh, the party really coming together uh, at all levels. They know how important it is. I mean, this is unlike, this is a different time. Yep. This is not business as usual. And the more people in leadership who wake up to that fact, I think it's a great thing. No, that's that's the case right there. And, you know, like you mentioned in the in the, in the top of the interview, we're, we're going to see Donald Trump go and, and do another huge rally circuit to close out this season. I think that brings the, the total near 35, uh, which is just, you know, an, an unprecedented number to have someone who's, well, number one, not in office, and, and number two, you, you know, kind of not running in this cycle uh, to go out there and do that much work, to pour in that much time, effort, and money, and to have, be as received as well as he has across the country. You know, we saw... The Democrats, well, they shuttered Joe Biden this weekend. He was sent to Delaware because literally nobody wants to campaign with him. Uh, we had Barack Obama go out there. We, we all know that he's the most divisive president in the history of our country and, and continued down the same rhetoric talking about, you know, just his obsession with, with MAGA Republicans and Donald Trump. And, you know, to have Donald Trump go out there and really steal back the show right before the election, it's probably one of the biggest S factors that the Democrats really have no answer for right before the election. Exactly. And I love watching this contrast between <laughs> Barack Obama on the campaign trail, just tired, angry Barack Obama. I mean, what is he so mad about? I heard Ron Johnson asking this last night. I think he was on Hannity. And it's such a good question. You know, this guy should be on top of the world, right? You have everything that you wanted. You've got Democrats in control. You have been running 
everything except for the Trump first term. Um, and things should be great, right? You should be totally on cloud nine. And yet he's just yelling about social security. It's very incoherent. I don't even really know what he's you know, talking about. And it's just sad because then you look at President Trump, who actually has so much to be angry about <laughs> if you were, you know, give him his due. I mean, we've got the 2020 corruption. We've got all the persecution. They're throwing, you know, his aides in jail. They're just, they're using every um, aspect of government against him, weaponizing it against him. And yet you go to a Trump rally and it's fun. There's great energy. He's having a good time. And it's not to say we aren't, you know, upset about the issues in the state of the country, first and foremost. I mean, take all the uh, partisan personal attacks out of it. And aside, just look at the state of the country. There's lots to be upset about. And yet it's the complete opposite of what you saw from Barack Obama screaming to uh, President Trump, who's out there having a great time fighting on behalf of the country. And that's what this movement's all about. I mean, things are terrible, but we're not giving up. We're not going to, you know, be doom and gloom. We're going to keep fighting because this is something worth fighting for. And people see that. That's why there's tens of thousands of people who line up to see President Trump. Uh, Barack Obama, I don't think, has ever gotten that. (laughs) Even from the heyday of 2008, I really don't think he could compete, um, especially this long after President Trump from 2015 to today. He's getting more people to our movement than back then and it's just incredible and it's because he speaks the truth and he's fighting and he's a happy warrior and and because we all have one thing in common which is we love america yeah no that's 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 the big issue right there and and i really do think in a week from now we're going to take the first step i know we've talked about it with a lot of people who are connected to the president this is the first of three big election cycles where uh we really make the moves here to uh, make sure that this country is on the right track for longer than just one election cycle and i also think you know piggybacking off of what you said it's funny to see barack obama fill up high school gyms um, right. barely you know and and regardless of where even if donald trump goes to like one of those centers like one of the hockey rinks like when we went out to arizona and 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 you know we were in uh prescott and that place was standing room only and, and they were you know it's just one of those things it's a movement and and he's the leader of it and uh we look really forward to uh tracking for the next week and then having a very successful november i, 8th. I think obama's mad because he had to put his pants on and take off his pajamas and do his fake accents depending on what state he's in yep <laughs> exactly <laughs> Liz, for everybody that's not tracking you across social medias, where can we find you? I'm on True Social at Real Liz USA. Uh, you got to get on there. It's on the Google Play Store now too, and uh, it's a lot of fun. You got to follow President Trump. He's firing off every single day. He's retruthing. He's all over the place. It's great. Yeah, we're waiting for that first big retruth there. But uh, <laughs> you know, we'll have some really great content over the course of the next week that may entice him to do just that. Liz, it's great been uh, sitting down with you again. Thanks for coming in on short notice and, and giving our listenership a little bit of update on the 45th president. And uh, we'll, of course, be looking to circle back with you sometime after the midterms. Absolutely. Thanks so much, guys. Yeah, this is the official spokeswoman for Donald Trump, Miss Liz Harrington. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you. All right, jumping in to do the news today, one of our great friends. She's an attorney for Save America. She's one of the hardest working women in this country, too. Fighting for America First, freedoms and values everywhere she goes. One of our favorite guests, Miss Christina Bob. Thanks for coming back on the show. 
Thank you so much for having me. I always love coming on. And that's why we continue to invite you. So don't ever tell us different, please. Mm. <laughs> Never. Well, we usually run you through the, the crappiest uh, portions of the news that we have today. But since we're so close, just a week from Election Day, uh, we're going to be playing midterm election roundup with you. We will hear from some people on the left, but mostly some of our talking points on the right. It's it's what we've made our news one now for the past month or so. And uh, I think you'll probably have a little bit more fun with this one. But before we get started, Christina, what's the update with you? What's going on? Uh, you know, doing everything I can to help out our candidates, making sure that their races are secure. I think all of our candidates are in really good shape. I think they they were endorsed for a reason and they should win their seats. Uh, the big question on everyone's mind is, will the race be fair? Will the various races be fair and uh, equal so um, insecure, basically, will the election be secure? So uh, trying to work with our candidates and make sure they've got everything they need to keep their election secure. Yeah, we've been doing the same, sharing as much content as we can, having them yep. through. It's even gotten to the point, I think we've we've ran a pretty good race here on Steak for Breakfast. We actually have had some of the larger can like, you know, call in like a day before our recording date and be like, hey, if you guys are recording tomorrow, so-and-so would love to come on. We saw it with, you know, people like Doug Mastriano last week and a couple others in the weeks before him, just uh, trying to get that last minute message out there. And yeah. Uh, so does it surprise you to see as much party unity now? Uh, obviously, it was very uh, abrasive during the primary season, and then there was mm -hmm. kind of a pout session maybe for a month after the <laughs> primaries. You know, we, we, we saw everybody in leadership kind of just being like, well, I guess this is what the Democrats paid for. But as we've gotten closer to Election Day now, is it at least relieving on, on, on behalf of, like, the Trump camp or just you personally to see, like, the Mick leadership out there minus McConnell. Uh, you know, I thought it was funny yesterday to see Kevin McCarthy and Joe Kent uh, do a campaign event together when Joe Kent has went and railed on Kevin McCarthy on everywhere from steak to breakfast to Tucker Carlson over the past, you know, year talking about how he was trying to take his campaign. And then Ronald McDaniel's kind of been making the rounds uh, doing the things. Well, she, I mean, she's had some plastic surgery and, and lost some weight over the course of the last year. So of course she wants to show it off, but she's been actually hitting some decent talking points on a lot of the candidates that are out there as we're hitting the finish line. And then some of the governors, you know, it's, it's it's very relieving to see people like Glenn Youngkin and Ron DeSantis pack it up. Ted Cruz, obviously, from the Senate, get out there and do as much as he can. He's hit like 15 states over the course of the last couple of weeks. It's got to be relieving to see that you guys and Donald Trump literally doesn't have to do all the work here down the finish line, even though Donald Trump's going to pack it all in and do more work than everybody else in the last oh, week yeah. like he always does. He's got his, his four-state rally blitz coming up right before the election, so that's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, it is fun to see, and it's nice to see. You know, President Trump, through, through the primaries, all of his endorsed candidates, he has a 98.65% uh, success rate with yeah. his endorsed candidates, so pretty good. I'd say that's, that's pretty good. I think his candidates are sitting pretty um and it's kind of fun that you know the eight of the ten who uh voted to uh, of the house members who voted to impeach president trump are now out of office or the remaining two will likely soon be out of office if not this term the next one yep. um and it's kind of nice to see the rhinos like kevin mccarthy who you said is now campaigning with joe kent have to go Oh, maybe Donald Trump actually is leading the party. <laughs> so they they kind of just have to deal with the facts. And the facts are Trump candidates win and they're going to win big a week from, well, on Tuesday. And uh, yeah, it, it's kind of fun. And I'm looking forward to Tuesday. Yeah, so are we. We're going to be doing our live show. We'll we'll connect with you at some point that that night. We'll, we know yeah. you'll be on the ground in Michigan. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. And I think it's going to be very rewarding. This has been like a two-year 
project that we've been working on here and it's like we're right at final exam so we'll see yeah. how we do with that but we're going to play midterm election roundup with you it's it's our favorite segment we'll hear the best and worst from everything going on in the campaign uh right now i think one of the biggest events that was held uh over the course of the weekend was the rally for lee zeldin who surged in the polls several polls have yeah. come out now showing him leading which uh Listen, if you live in, in the great state of New York and you're outside of the major cities, it's your wallet, it's your 401k, it's filling up those small business uh, vehicles at the gas pump that are really killing you. And if you live inside the major cities in, in New York, well, it's the killing that's actually killing you because Ooh. you're getting thrown down the stairs, <laughs> pushed on the subway tracks, oh! yeah, beat up by a flash mob, et cetera. And you can't escape it. We had Kathy Holschel come out and, and read the 2021 crime statistics from the FBI on, on national television over the course of the weekend without saying that cities like Washington, D.C., Chicago, and New York were omitted from the final tally. So, of course, the numbers are going to show that 4% less murder rate margin that she quoted, but she left her own city out of it. And uh, Ron DeSantis, governor of Florida, took the trip up to New York and, and held a pretty fairly sized, I would say, maybe like an eighth of the size of a Trump rally, in case anyone's listening and wondering. Uh, you know, sized event in New York for Lee Zeldin, which is great out on Long Island. Let's hear the governor of Florida weigh in on uh, the Zeldin campaign and uh, everything important this midterm election cycle. Florida is a law and order state. I am a law and order governor. If Lee Zeldin gets into office, New York will become a law and order state, and he will be a law and order governor. And the crime problem has been totally self-inflicted. You cut police budgets, you do things like eliminate past bail, and you have rogue prosecutors who won't even enforce laws that they disagree with, of course you're going to have streets that are less safe. Of course you're going to have people uh, that aren't able to do the basics without fearing uh, for their safety. So one of the things you need that Lee Zeldin will offer New York and what I do in Florida, we stand up for the people of law enforcement, the people that wear the uniform. What do you think, Christina? That's a pretty good message coming for, you know, the people of New York. I think that he's not too far off the base there. It's it's honestly surprising to me into the election cycle how crime has become a top ticket issue with all of the stuff going on, everything from geopolitics, the border, fentanyl, and then, you know, obviously the economy and energy prices. Uh, but but crime is really something that, you know, the Democrats have had to fight off very hard for the last month at least because of how many of them have been slammed in debates about it. But it seems like that's a pretty good message that uh, applies to places like New York. Yeah, I think it's great. And I'm really proud that Ron DeSantis is now my governor. I voted for him this week, which uh, was kind of fun. Um, hopefully everybody else is voting. Now, We I know we've been touting the message of make sure you vote on election day. I will be in Michigan on election day, so I, I couldn't do that, so I had to vote early. But uh, yeah, law and order is an easy one. I mean, you, like you mentioned earlier, the crime stats in Democrat cities are just insane. And so to simply say we're going to empower the police, I mean, that's something that I think the vast majority of Americans are real okay with. Yeah, and when you just look at like, how this affects the average person. I mean, Lee Zeldin isn't the average person. He's a sitting 
uh, U.S. House representative, and just over the course of since he's won the primary uh, a few months ago, he's been assaulted. You know, I, I would consider that attempted murder. Somebody jumped up and grabbed him with a box cutter and, and tried to hurt him. And then, you know, right. his daughters w- were home when a drive-by shooting occurred right outside of his house. And the people that had, yeah. got, had gotten shot hid under his porch. So it's like, if, if it's so out of control that it's literally touching people who normally don't interact with the public in, in a way like that, then it, it really is off the charts in places like New York. And I think that that whole wanting to get safe again is something that I think is going to get Lee Zeldin over the finish line on November 8th. The, the people that live in these cities, like they don't even need the stats. They're just looking out their window and just seeing the drive-bys happening. Or their car getting stolen to yeah. perform a drive-by in. Yeah. And I, I hope, I hope it hasn't gotten to the point, which I don't think it has, but I think why it's important to, you know, really focus on law enforcement now is you don't want it to become a culture, a criminal culture. You know, people live in fear like that. They see the drive-bys, they see the carjackings, they experience it long enough and they get used to it and forget, or in some cases never know what it's like to live free and safe. And so I just hope that parts of New York haven't gotten so bad for so long that, you know, they've just gotten used to it. Yeah, it's going to take a big, big push to refund the police, get them staffed up to yeah. where, I mean, you all remember some of the uh, teams they used to fight crime were, were disbanded to uh, in the last administration and then continued to get taken down by by Eric Adams when he yeah. took over as the mayor. So we'll see what happens. Crazy Bernie was out on the campaign trail this week as they're dusting <laughs> off and unfreezing just about everybody. Uh, he, he was stumping in the in the Nevada for uh, Catherine Cortez Masto. And, uh, is, he, is he once again asking for your support? You know what? He actually did almost <laughs> say that. So let's hear a clip from him and, and, and ha- see him forget to mention the name of the person he's actually stumping for. Oh, no. Will end up playing a pivotal role in terms of the future of our country. And that is not an exaggeration. Which party controls the Senate and the House will determine the future of this country. And that's why I am here to ask you to make sure that Catherine Cortez is re uh, Basto is re-elected. Mm. Gotta use a teleprompter, Bernie. <laughs> I'm awesome. I'm once again asking you to forget the name of the person I'm stumping for because I've probably never talked to her before, even Oof. though we work in the same building. Oh, man. She's a real beaut out there in, in Nevada, and it's going to be a relief to see Adam Lexalt take that. Yeah, uh, I think sen- Adam Lexalt will take that race. I, I think Nevada... I think Nevada is going to surprise people. I know the Nevada GOP has done a lot of really great work on securing the elections, uh, trying to clean up mail-in ballots and the way things are done, particularly in Clark County. That was the main uh, problem county in 2020. So I think Adam Laxalt and Sheriff Lombardo, I think, are going to do pretty well. I, I expect them to take that. Yeah, I believe those internal polls that show it's between 4 and 5% for each of them right now. Yeah. And, and I also think that you're getting two of the more accomplished uh, people who are office ready. They're not as green as, let's say, someone like Blake Masters or J.D. Vance is going to be. They're going to kind of learn the ropes as they go. Adam Lexalt's kind of uh, political royalty in the state of Nevada, and Joe Lombardo's obviously been heavily involved in politics with his uh, you know, career right. in law enforcement and stuff like that. I, I love that ticket. I, I'm excited for both of them, and it was funny to see just the desperation. I mean, obviously, we, we saw Barack Obama was out on the campaign trail yelling and screaming about MAGA for no reason and being obsessed with uh, Donald Trump as usual. Um, you know, and uh, Joe Biden was sent home to eat ice cream this weekend. He Nobody wanted to campaign with him. So it's just pretty funny to see the way the dynamic is working right now. They're in crisis mode. I mean, sending Barack Obama to a place like 
Wisconsin where his, regardless of what he says, is going to have no, Ron Johnson will be the next senator from there. I mean, obviously it's been a battle. The, the, the polls are a little bit tighter than we'd like them, but Ron Johnson is going to win that Senate seat regardless of what Barack Obama says. Don't you think, Christina? Yeah, I absolutely think Ron Johnson is going to take that seat. I think Mike Tim Michaels will take the governor's race yep. as well. Wisconsin is done. One of the best states, I think, as far as cleaning up the 2020 election. Now, there's still things that need to happen. Sure. I do have some concerns about ballot harvesting, but they've got so many volunteers, so many great patriots have stepped up in Wisconsin that um, I, I fully expect to see Wisconsin bright red. Ron Johnson's going to keep a seat for sure. Yeah, I agree with you. And when you just look at the like, comparative nature of where these people are going, so this is the option you had to, just just as an average American, who would you rather see on a Friday afternoon, Raphael Warnock and Barack Obama? I mean, you have two, obviously, <laughs> oh, yeah, race baiting, racial division, just... Yeah, well, let's talk about hate and yeah. fuel division among the country. Or on the other side, you, you have an event that has Herschel Walker, Ted Cruz, and Mike Collins at the top of the ticket. I mean... It's just hands down. You're getting beer and barbecue at one event and you're getting hateful rhetoric at another. I just don't. I mean, and then you had Stacey Abrams show up with them. So it's even there's going to be less food for everybody at the end of the day. So (laughs) there's no more barbecue. Let's hear Herschel Walker uh, land some body blows on on the 44th president of the United States. We talked about President Obama was here last night. Y'all saw him. He said, I'm a celebrity. Yeah. Yeah. He got that one wrong, didn't he? I'm not a celebrity. I'm that warrior for God. And uh, he got he got something else wrong too. You remember two years ago he told us to vote for Joe Biden, didn't he? He got that one wrong, did he not? Hey, he got that one wrong. He's lost twice to George already, hasn't he? So I think he probably need to say this one out. Don't you think so? He probably need to set this one out because let me tell you, this was so funny. He said that he wouldn't get me to be a pilot. I wouldn't hire him to be a pilot either, will you? Hey, I, hey, I haven't taken my pilot license, have I? So he got that one wrong. And then I tell you what he will hire me to do before he hire a Warnock. I bet he'll hire me to be on his debate team before he get Warnock, wouldn't he not? Yeah. But anyway. Tell you guys this. People ask me why I'm running. I'm gonna tell you this is really short, and I don't know if nobody can't get it, they won't understand this. After two years, you see where we're at today. After two years, you see where we're at today. Gas prices is up. Gas prices up, your utility bill is gonna go up. Right now, crime is up. This border is wide open. They're destroying this country. That's men and women's sports. And I said it the other day, they don't even know the definition of a woman yet. They still talking about that out there. I can tell you the definition of a woman because it's written in my Bible. And it said man and woman. And the woman is from the rib of a man. And I'm gonna let y'all know this too because they're trying to fool you here. A man can't get pregnant. We don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about things like that. What we need to talk about, we need leaders in Washington that got guts to do the right thing. So if President Obama, I'm like, where has he been? Where has he been since all this been going on? He's been in his nice house, hasn't he? I haven't seen him. Did he bring in a cheaper gas? Did he bring in a cheaper groceries? So what did he come here to do? To try to get you to let uh, in the, but why not? Christina, how lucky are we to have Herschel Walker in this election cycle? He is so great. He's just such a good personality. I mean, uh, 
I'm excited to see her. Like he's a really great candidate and he's fun to watch on the campaign trail. I cannot wait to see him in the Senate. Can you imagine like what a great Senator Herschel Walker will be like doing all of that, but on the Senate floor and behind the scenes, like I, I just, I'm excited for the people of Georgia. I think they've got a really great candidate in Herschel Walker. Yeah, it's, it's just amazing to see. I mean, we've had Congressman Nunez on the show several times. He's become a monthly guest with us, and he told us for just about the last decade that he was in Washington, D.C., every election cycle, the House Republicans would try to court Herschel Walker to run for a House seat there, and he just didn't think it was the right time. And, you know, he left, and then one thing led to another, and here we go. He's the Republican nominee, and it looks like he's going to uh, flip that seat there in Georgia for, yeah, for, I think he will. for America First. I think it was also very humorous that just because of the way he talked, a lot of pundits before the debate, uh, you know, made fun of his intelligence, not knowing that he was appointed to two different presidential panels. He had worked in and, and grew a small business. Apparently, he's obtained his pilot's license in addition to his massive career as a professional athlete and his near, you know, 30 year relationship with Donald Trump. It's just when once that debate happened, it was it was pretty much over. I think Democrats have secretly conceded the state of Georgia, at least in the, in the Senate race. And it looks like Brian Kemp's going to do well enough to uh, take out Stacey Abrams again. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just really good to see that that state going in the right direction. They have a lot of stuff to work on regarding elections. Yeah, they do. But the fact of the matter is, is that we've had uh, candidates so successful here, we won't have to worry about it too much come November 8th. So I think uh, one of the biggest surprises of this whole election cycle is how where Democrats had said this is going to be like razor thin margins and, and, and a loss of the Senate uh, razor thin margins in the house, of course, you know, six months ago, we've exploded America first to include battleground states, which is very uncommon for a non-presidential election cycle. We've covered smiley up in uh, Washington state. We have Oregon in play places like Connecticut with Leora Levy. She was on the show the other day. She's a great candidate and she's really making Dick Blumenthal work uh, to keep his Senate seat there. One of the other surprise states I think is New Hampshire. It kind of took us all by surprise. Yeah. We were in there early. We, we were we were one of the you know shows that had uh, General Don Bullock on first. We had two great interviews with him. We're hoping to get him back before the elections, maybe on Friday. But uh, I saw him jump on with Maria Bartiromo this weekend, and, and you know he was talking about some of the uh, failed policies regarding energy uh, and for the Biden administration and what his plans are to change it. Let's hear it. It's to be done in terms of this energy crisis as the Biden administration has an all of government approach to its climate change agenda. And that includes uh, pushing down the fossil fuel industry. Well, thank you, Maria. And it's an honor to be on the show and my best to your viewers, as well as it's great to share this time with Kelly. So, you know, it's all about heating and eating here in New Hampshire. Choices that moms and dads and retirees who are getting second jobs are wondering what they're going to do, particularly with the natural gas shortage and the diesel shortage and the rationing. It is just um, creating huge problems uh, for people and it's only going to get worse if we don't win the Senate and get Kelly and I down there to reverse all of the energy policies and the focus on going away from fossil fuel, which drives our country uh, to be able to uh, heat uh, and provide the energy that we need, drive down electric prices, drive down the inflation across the board. This is something that Senator Hassan will not change. She is status quo. She proved it with bringing Cory Booker up here and Jill Biden. She is not going to change. She is going to reinforce the uh, the Biden administration's failed energy policies, 
where Kelly and I will go down there and we will work and do what we need to do to reverse them so that people aren't freezing and don't have to choose between heating and eating up here in the Granite State. Yeah, that's funny. He was talking about uh, Kelly Chewbacca, who's the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee for the Senate in Alaska. They did a panel with Maria this weekend. Christina, was it surprising to you to see some of these candidates? I mean, Trump has endorsed some of them, like Leora Levy, and, and, and you know, late after the primaries when, he's, when the success level of them and the opportunity to claim more Senate seats and, and seats in the House uh, became apparently clear. But to see people like General Don Boldock rise to the top, you know, talking about these America first uh, ideals and, and, and how they're the ones right now that are going to get this country back on the right track. Yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised by it at all. I think people across the country, whether they're Republicans or Democrats, are looking at what's happening in the country right now going, oh, no, 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 this is not this is not my America. This is not the direction of the country. So I think there's a lot more in play than Democrats are willing to admit. You know, we heard Chuck Schumer on a hot mic probably a week or so ago telling Joe Biden that they're in danger, uh, meaning, you know, Democrats in danger of losing seats. And uh, I, I think that's right. I, I, and I think New Hampshire, actually, I think people would be surprised to realize how MAGA New Hampshire is. I know a few folks up there and they're, they're telling me that New Hampshire is absolutely in play. And I know Caroline Levitt, I know her personally, as well as her as a candidate. She's running for Congress up there. She's a firecracker. She's an absolute firecracker. She came out and she won her primary without a Trump endorsement. And she went went ahead and did it, and I, I think she could take her seat. No, I think her and both Bob Burns up there are looking great, and uh, I think they're going to make part of a you know three way win. Well, obviously we'll have the governor with Sununu as well in New yeah. Hampshire, but uh, yeah, it's re- it's really great to see how much it well. That's when you just talk about the reality of it. Like Democrats can go on the Sunday morning news circuit every week and talk about how crime stats are made up and and skewed by Republicans, how, you know, the border is not open, but DHS says it's not. And, And Joe Biden says, like, you know, he's lowering gas prices. But when the reality comes of it and all these polls start showing that candidates in states that don't really, you know, resonate this kind of attention in a midterm election cycle are now looking to win and primary sitting Congress people because of their failed policies and how bad they have destroyed this country. Uh, Saying every state is a border state is not a Republican talking point. It's true. And it's resonating with a lot of voters. And when it affects everything from like the economy in regards to wages and, and low income job opportunities to the educational level at their kids' schools, because of these illegal immigrant children are forced into the classrooms and have to learn on a major curve all the way down to crime, obviously with the fentanyl coming in and then the people that they just released into the community. So well, not just releasing into the community, but fly them up to like all over the country. I mean, I travel a lot for work and I I am having a hard time thinking of a flight I've taken where there aren't migrant children that they're flying all over the place. You know, they've got their black duffel bags and you can spot them, you know, and they usually have a few of them in a group with their coyotes that are basically shuttling them to New York, to, you know, Ohio, to Virginia, they're just ta- they're just sending them all over the place, and uh, it, it very much is that every state is a border state because Joe Biden's sending immigrants to every state. Yeah, you're right. We had uh, Paige Willie on here not too long ago, and she said she had traveled lately, and she was talking to us before we started recording, and said, you know, there were the people sitting in the plane with her that had like the Manila envelopes in the Ziploc bags that said, "We don't yeah. speak English. Please help us get." 
here or there while we're traveling. So it, it, it's pretty hard to not see it. I mean, obviously, us down here in San Diego, we've seen, like, spikes in crime, spikes in murder, uh, the homelessness in San Diego. It's just like, I know, Christina, you used to work out here uh, when mm-hmm. you were with the OAN. I don't know if you've been out here recently, but if you go down to downtown San Diego, it's literally unrecognizable. There's definitely a hint of piss. To say oh, the least. That's terrible. Yeah, I mean. It makes me so sad to know that. I mean, I lived in San Diego for eight years, and uh, it, it's a wonderful city. It's an absolutely wonderful city that has been destroyed by these Democrat policies. And San Diego has, I think still has, a Republican mayor. Um, but, the you know, a rhino mayor that's allowing these Democrat policies to invade the city and it's destroying the city. And San Diego's, you know, the door to the rest of America and what happens there will happen to the rest of to the rest of the country if we don't if we don't stop it. Yeah, we actually lost our rhino mayor here in the last election cycle and we got uh you know, welcome into a new regime. It's a progressive who really... It's a Democrat? It's a Democrat progressive. He gave himself a $125,000 raise as mayor. He approved it as he sat, no. on, he, he sat on the board right underneath the mayorship and gave it to him like a week before the election. And, uh, you know, he's open border, gay trans agenda, and cashless oh, bail. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Well, that's why San Diego has, smells the way it does. Yeah, it certainly does. So, it's your mayor. <laughs> uh, but speaking about people who want to change things like that, not in San Diego, but pretty close in, in the great state of Arizona, senatorial candidate there, Trump-endorsed America First Blake Masters, sat down with Newsmax this weekend. He did an interview there, and I think one of the things that ties this all together is the U.S. southern border and the problem there that we're having with it. Let's hear Blake weigh in on that top ticket issue. I've asked everybody this question on this program. This it, it strikes me as an open border, de facto open border policy. Can you give me a reason why you think this is happening? Why it's being kind of left unchecked? People are just rolling in, surrendering, willingly coming in and surrendering to Border Patrol. Some don't. Some maybe with criminal records try to skirt and get in. But mainly people are showing up, throwing their hands up, saying, take me, I'm yours. Well, Why is this happening? I understand why those people want to come here. Absolutely it's right. It's the greatest I, country in the history of the world. And Joe Biden chose this. A lot of people talk about, oh, this border crisis, it's mysterious. Where is it? No, it's not an act of God. We don't need to wonder where it came from. Joe Biden chose it with his policies. Day one, he to halted. To what end, though? I don't think the modern left, the modern radicals running the Democratic Party, the people who tell Mark Kelly what to think, the people who are really running Biden's White House, I don't think they believe in America. I think they're ashamed of it. That's why they push the 1619 history curriculum on our children. They don't believe in borders. They don't believe in sovereignty. What do you think, Christina? He's going to make a hell of a senator, huh? There's a lot of people in Washington, D.C. who are terrified of this young man. He's going to be awesome. I'm really, really excited about Blake Masters, and I'm honored and privileged to have uh, kind of jumped on the the Blake Masters bandwagon early in his campaign. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the problem that liberals have with Blake Masters is he's smart, he's articulate, he thinks very quickly, and his answers are very easy for people to understand in their common sense. And you hear Blake Masters talk and you go, yep, that's what I think. And that's what scares the left. They have to try to make it sound, uh, they, they have to try to make it sound sensational when it's not because it's what everybody else thinks. Yeah, a lot of the thing, a, a lot of his success too, I think, stems from the fact that he knows the blueprint, much like Carrie Lake. I mean, she worked in the mainstream media for a number of years and then you see Blake Masters who operated within the big tech community. I mean, there's not 
tons of conservatives there. Obviously, Peter Thiel is, but, you know, as an understudy to him, he probably worked freely amongst people who wore vagina hats to work and, and had Black Lives <laughs> Matter coffee mugs and, and, and things like that. So, you know, he got to see what, what the opposite of the actual pulse of the nation is for a long time before he decided to go out. And, and a lot of people, you know, say he comes from money, that he's a millionaire, that he grew up in Colorado. That's not true. He was born in Denver, but he lived his entire life down in Tucson, which is now one of the hardest hit sectors in the entire country besides the Rio Grande Valley for this migrant invasion. And uh, he got to see as someone growing up there what the effects of having just completely open borders, the homelessness, the drug problems and all the crime, it you know, does and really destroys the community. And he doesn't forget where he came from and where he was born and raised. And he's parlayed that into a hell of a Senate campaign. And it's made a sitting senator look almost embarrassing up on stage. And, uh, you know, as they take shots at each other um, while they do dueling town halls across the state of Arizona. Yeah. No, I think that's the heart of the MAGA movement is that you actually have candidates that you can relate to and who act like you and think like you and have the same experiences as you and Blake Masters and Carrie Lake and quite honestly, all of the Arizona Senate candidate, or I'm sorry, the Trump endorsed candidates in Arizona are ex- exceptionally relatable. And I think that's that's the secret sauce to the MAGA movement, right? I mean, Donald Trump is so relatable despite the fact that he lives a life radically different than the rest of us. So um I think that's the key is just having people who truly represent you, not just say they want to represent you. Yeah, that that's that's it right there. And I think when you talk about people who are working hard to represent you, probably at the grassroots level, Christina, you'll have to agree with us here. No one has done it harder than uh, the state senator from Pennsylvania, Doug Mastriano, in this governor's race right here up in, up in the Keystone State. Yeah, Doug Mastriano is phenomenal. He's a, I've been a, a Mastriano fan since – probably November 4th, 2020. And, uh, I think he's, I think he's great. He's become a good friend and, uh, I, I can't wait to watch him become governor Mastriano. So you do realize that today is the first day of Doug Vember as well, right? Oh, <laughs> Doug Vember. Okay. Yes. I didn't catch on to that, but. Well, did you, I, did you have at least have a great Oztober, which ended yesterday? <laughs> I'm behind you guys. I'm so behind on all of these uh, patriotic candidate months. That's all right. Well, at the very least, we know you probably celebrate Mehmet and Mastriano Mondays then. Yeah. Yes. Yes, I do. Was that convincing? Listen, there are a lot of people who just solely shit post on Twitter that are going to be partially responsible for getting governors and senators elected in just a week from today. And uh, when you see the rabid dedication to saving this country by just some completely obscure, sometimes high school aged kids, (laughs) it's absolutely been amazing to watch them like pull these (laughs) candidates. Yeah, that's the truth. They are a huge part of the grassroots. and, And listen, for someone like Doug Mastriano, he's talked about the importance of, uh, uh, winning the state of Pennsylvania and winning that governor's race uh, from Josh Shapiro, who number one is a shit candidate. Number two is one back-to-back elections for the current position he's in against crappier candidates than anyone running in this election cycle in Pennsylvania by ridiculously small margins. So for anybody to think that Doug Mastriano is not a fantastic candidate and Josh Shapiro's garbage, uh, he reiterated that fact on Dr. Gina last night. Let's hear <laughs> him bring it home. Um, Colonel, tell us why the Pennsylvania governor's race is so important. You get to appoint the secretary of state. So you would essentially be the one to clean up the elections there. So this is really 
not a, a Pennsylvania-centric campaign. This is really more of a national campaign because your race decides what happens in that state in 2024, does it not? Exactly. Thank you for saying that because it's true. There's so many gubernatorial races. There's so many Senate races. And, you know, we're, we're kind of like, you know, lost in all this noise and, you know, all these interesting personalities and characters that are running for office, you know, people's performances and debates. And, but in Pennsylvania, the Democrats understand that the road to the White House in 2024 goes through Pennsylvania in 2022. And so uh, they're leaving nothing to chance. They, they've invested over $40 million in my opponent. And he came, with despite having all the money in the world, he, I mean, he, he's paying people to put yard signs out. He's paying people to share, you know, Facebook posts and to show up in, in door knock. You know, all my people are doing this for free. Thank God. Yeah. And, um, but the Democrats see how important it is, you know, and God forbid, you know, say Fetterman uh, wins. Uh, I don't think he's going to stay in office very long. And so the governor, which would be Governor Mastrano, will get, get to appoint uh, his replacement. And the Democrats don't want that. So they've oh, wow. really thrown a lot of money and support behind their guy. The Republicans, we need to do the same thing. Benjamin Franklin, you know, warned, you know, us in 1776 in Philadelphia, you know, if we don't hang together, we'll hang separately. And that, that is true That's today true. as well. That is a top talking point right there. It's that's one he actually probably saved for Dr. Gina because he's been our on our show about six or seven times. and didn't drop that one. He did drop a couple OES, which is that trademark <laughs> Mastriano punchline right there. But you know what? It, to me, it's been really disappointing to see the establishment Republicans and Conservative Inc. kind of abandon him after he won the nomination. He has not gotten the monetary support that we've seen funneled into a lot of races. It seems like the only person that's yeah. really had Doug Mastriano's back throughout the course of the entirety, and it will be cemented even more with the rally next week, is President Donald Trump. Uh, does it disappoint you to see someone who's such a strong candidate in such an important swing state not get the attention he needs? I mean, he's running his own campaign self-funded and was yeah. is within the margin of error a week out from the midterm elections. Does it disappoint you to see that? Uh, it disappoints me, but it doesn't surprise me. I mean, that's the Republican establishment and that's the Pennsylvania establishment. They don't like Mastriano because yep. he's truly MAGA. And yes, President Trump does support Mastriano, but he didn't support him until right before the primary in Pennsylvania. I think it was like a day or two before the election yes. that Doug Mastriano actually got that endorsement. And so I and I say that not, not as criticism against President Trump, but I mean, they had nine candidates in the field, right? He let them run the race. And Doug Mastrano decisively won that primary. There were nine candidates, that like nine candidates. That was a lot of primary candidates. And Doug Mastrano got 43% of the vote. I mean, he crushed everybody in that primary. The people of Pennsylvania want Doug Mastriano. And the fact that the establishment hasn't gotten behind him, I think only encourages the the grassroots more because they know he's the right candidate because he's not bought and paid for by corporations he truly does represent the people of pennsylvania no that's a good point there and uh you know one of the ones that we'll continue to uh well we're going to share we're going to enjoy this last week of, of doug vember before we get him in as the next <laughs> government or the governor of of the state of pennsylvania sticking in the same state christina i know you saw the news recently that don lamon was primaried out of his primetime two-hour news show and banished to the uh, morning news circuit where he uh, now competes with people like Joe Scarborough and friends. Mm. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm trying to squeak out a tear, and I just can't do it. Believe it or not, we we were surpassing him in monthly downloads when he had his show on – Apple Podcast, so yeah. we, we always like to screenshot that and tag him on on, on Twitter. Awesome. Of course, he he hosted. Yeah, it doesn't surprise. I mean, the whole media thing is is ridiculous. That uh, 
I think for so long, people believed that the media was fair, not just what they reported, but the statistics or, you know, the number of views or whatever was fair and accurate and that, you know, everybody watched all of these quote unquote famous people, but that's not the case. I mean, these people have big platforms and so they get their names out there, but nobody's listening No, and nobody likes what they're, what they're spewing. So you know, I think I think America is becoming a lot more conservative, a lot more conservative. Yeah, well, I saw this morning him looking very sad and now wearing a uh, a sports jacket instead of his trademark suit and tie. That's a shame. Hosted someone who also doesn't dress up very well for television, Hobo Shrek himself, John, John Fetterman, the, the Democrat senatorial nominee there. And, and Don Lemon pressed him on his health and why he hasn't been transparent about it. Let's hear that clip. Listen, we've heard a little from your doctor, but we haven't heard a lot. You're, you're asking voters to trust you on your word that your health is good without the, the full story. So in the interest of full transparency for the voters, do you think it would help if you let your doctors brief the press before election night? I think we've been pretty transparent. You know, we've we've had our doctors uh, just be very clear that that they're here, that we're able to and, and fit to to, oh. to serve. And from my point, um, uh, you know, we've been also been very transparent in terms of showing up at a debate and very transparent about you know having events in front of thousands and thousands of Pennsylvanians for for, for months. And I was again no, it was no secret that I was going to miss some words. I was going to mush some words together. Oh, oh. Uh, and and as we've been very clear in the debate and during during this this interview, I'm, I've been using captioning as well. True, I believe uh, we've been pretty transparent to give all the voters to to make it their their, their choice. And listen, I, I'm asking the question for the voters because then voters may may wonder: Is there a reason that you don't want your doctors to take questions? That's why I keep asking this. Oh, I, I just I just believe that we have our doctors uh, just weigh in on that, and and they believe that I'm fit uh, to, fit fit to serve. Oh. Mm. <laughs> yeah, it seemed like there was a little you know recalibrating there going on after oh, no, some of those he, questions. He said, he's sitting there reading the closed captioning on his laptop. Well, while he's reading what somebody in the other room is t- t- telling t- him to reply. Oh man, what yeah. Christina, you you saw that debate last week with Dr. Roz. What an absolute disaster, huh? Um, for Fetterman, yeah. yeah, for the people of Pennsylvania, I thought it was great. I mean, um, I think Dr. Oz did a fantastic job. And I think Fetterman, and the, the point that he says, well, it was no secret that I was going to mush words and no secret that I, you know, I was going to struggle with that stuff. I, I just can't imagine that that's what the, like, I'm all for, you know, dis- like helping the disabled and making sure that we have uh, provided the right uh, accommodations to people who need it. But a senator, a U.S. senator who, you know, is going to interface uh, potentially with uh, foreign heads of state or, you know, be a, a big representative, especially from a state like Pennsylvania, um, I, I just, I think the voters are going to want a higher standard. I do. He's going he's gonna to come and be like, I'm a senator and I'm also... A senator. There you go. <laughs> um, you know, he uh, went on in that same interview. I unfortunately had to watch it this morning because once I caught it, I couldn't turn it off. It's like uh, wanting to see the train wreck. Uh, went on. He doubled down on his lies on fracking, even though in 2015 he signed anti-fracking legislation. In addition to that, has gone on. There's almost a dozen receipts of him saying that he will end it and do everything he can to support the government in ending that uh, if, if elected as a senator over the course of the past half decade. So, you know, that's just kind of where we're at in Pennsylvania. We do have the, you know, 
we're finishing with the best of the last as far as our candidates go. And uh, I don't know if you guys saw, but Miss Carrie Lake jumped on Tucky last night. To nice. uh, Well, she dunked on Katie Hobbs a little bit and said that her twin sister would probably be a better candidate than her because when somebody secretly uh, recorded her saying that she voted for Carrie Lake, uh, she said she <laughs> sounded very intelligent. <laughs> In addition to that, wanted to uh, posterize Liz Cheney for all the help that she's given her in uh, Arizona. Let's hear it. Is that true? That's true. Liz Cheney now is my officially my biggest fundraiser to date. We've raised <laughs> a half a million dollars since she did the anti-endorsement, and people are still flocking to our website, carrylake.com, and donating. It's been an incredible boom for us in uh, fundraising. So I got to extend a big thank you to Liz. And <laughs> at this rate, Tucker, we might have to invite her to our inaugural ball because we're going to have to thank her for uh, bringing in so much fundraising money for us. Well, but you'd think it's a little weird since she is a congresswoman still from Wyoming. She's got a lot of hobbies. She could be planning a new invasion of Somalia or something, <laughs> but she's attacking you. She's very focused on you. Why? Why is that, do you think? Well, I think the same reason I'm being attacked by the media. I'm speaking the truth. I mean, you talked about it in, in your monologue tonight. We can't talk about all these issues because the media has told us it's they're prohibited. You know, you can't talk about vaccines. You can't talk about elections. You can't talk about Paul Pelosi. Exactly. And now you can't talk about Nancy Pelosi. Mm. And you can't talk about the elections. And you can't talk about uh, COVID. And, and I'm talking about all those things because I still believe we have a little bit of the First Amendment left. But I'm dangerous. Right. to people like Liz Cheney and, and the folks that she hangs out with, and they want to stop people like me. Words are powerful. I, I will say the left, Liz Cheney, for example, they understand that. Yeah, is that it, it certainly is true. Christina, I see you smiling through a majority of that talking point from, from Carrie Lake. She, oh, I love Carrie Lake. I love Carrie Lake. And I, and I think as she's progressed in her campaign, she's always been a good candidate. You know, her 27 years on television really prepared her well to be a good candidate. But she's only gotten better and better and better over time. And as she's grown in her confidence as a candidate and in her confidence in what the people of Arizona want from her, she's just downright savage. And it's awesome because that's what the people want. They're so sick of pretending like this political game is even and fair and it remotely covers what the people of Arizona want. It doesn't. It absolutely doesn't. And I think Carrie Lake has just nailed what her constituents want and she goes at it unapologetically and they love her for it. No, that's a, that's it right there. I mean, watching her ascension. Uh, she talks about the number of days she's been on this campaign trail. We were in first interview day five. Uh, after she announced shortly after that Arizona um, event that they had with Turning Point where Donald Trump spoke at it as well and said great things about her. Uh, you know, much like with Senator Mastriano, as soon as he announced, like while he was announcing on Newsmax that he was running for governor, I was going to the campaign website that they just launched and, and emailing them to get him on the show. We had him on, I think, the next day. So to track these people from the beginning and see how their ascension has as, as gotten to the point now where we're literally a week away from getting this country back on the right track and saving it it goes to all the counterpoints and seeing the absolute breakdown from the left i did pull one of those absolute heaters i usually bring when you're on the show i don't know if you saw it he's the former governor of new jersey he's the current spokesperson for roy rogers uh franchises according to donald trump who had a beautiful picture of him a few months ago on true social uh loading up that mayo on his uh roast beef and cheese oh. chris christie jumped on uh one of the fake news, I believe this was uh, ABC's show this weekend, and uh, well, it's called a powerhouse roundtable, but it w it was very not such. Let's let's hear him weigh on 
the overarching uh, part of the midterm elections where we're at right now and what he thinks the future looks like, of course, self-serving. About Donald Trump, he's making the rounds in battleground states. He's going to Pennsylvania, Florida, Ohio, but not Georgia, very early before the primaries, and yeah. he's not rallying for Governor DeSantos to be reelected in Florida. What's going on here? Well, this is this is shocking. <laughs> Donald Trump is acting in his own self-interest as opposed to acting in the interest of the party. Um, again, this is what I've been talking about for months now. The Republicans are going to have to make a fundamental judgment after November 8th. Are we the party of me or are we the party of us? And Donald Trump represents the party of me. Now, you know, when you see how he's making those choices, you understand that it's all about him. If you said nice things about him, if you agree that the election was stolen, he'll campaign for you. If you don't, he won't. I was with Joe O'Day, the Senate candidate in Colorado who Oof. you interviewed. He eviscerates Joe O'Day because he said Joe Biden is the legitimate president, um, despite the fact that Joe O'Day agrees on issues with Donald Trump predominantly. So... This is not about issues. Once again, it's about person and it's about Donald Trump and his own selfish desire um, to want his own point of view of the world, especially about the 2020 election, reaffirmed. And if you don't reaffirm it, which Ron DeSantis hasn't, interestingly, you know, that's why he's not in Florida with Ron DeSantis. What do you think, Christina? There's a whole bunch of garbage. I think that's the reason why nobody gives two you-know-whats about Chris Christie anymore. Mm -hmm. There's nothing about his opinion that's remotely close to accurate. I mean, (laughs) uh, Donald Trump is not the party of me. And I think the American people recognize that Donald Trump is the party of the American people. He, He is running the Make America Great Again for all of us. And Chris Christie's upset because the Republican establishment is getting crushed by the MAGA movement. And uh, Chris Christie thought that if he worked his way up the political ladder and did his time, that he would be endowed with a special elected seat somewhere, maybe president, maybe a cabinet member, maybe something. Surely the establishment would repay him for all of his years working his time up the political ladder. No, you're not serving the American people. You're out. That's where that's where we're at right now. If you're not doing what the American people need, you're out. No, that's it. That's it right there. We've had so many people on this show, including yourself, that worked inside of the Trump White House at some point in some context who have said out of all the people who were, I'm air quoting now, on board when Donald Trump was elected president, there were no worse counterproductive anti-MAGA establishment Republican staffers that got involved with the transition team than the people who worked for Chris Christie. And that's why he was eventually taken to task. You know, they, they said Donald Trump and Ted Cruz they literally punched it out in, in, in the 2015 primaries. And everybody praises a lot of Ted Cruz's people for coming on and saying, like, well, we have somebody that's in the presidency. Let's go and help and be productive and be, you know, it's just the people who really matter, the ones who stayed on for MAGA as long as possible were the ones who said that Chris Christie and, and, and his group of staffers were the absolute worst. And, you know, he's a self-servant. And like you said, he didn't get rewarded what he thought he should have gotten for, you know, his service to whatever he did uh, with Donald Trump. And now he's just bitter about it. Uh, I don't think there's anything that helps 
any of the Republican tickets going down the road than Donald Trump and Ron DeSantis walking out with their hands in the air like they're best friends. Like, that doesn't help any of the campaigns get over the finish line. It doesn't produce any more voters to come out and vote Republican. You're, all that stuff is going to get worked on and worked out after this election cycle. But I think where we're at right now, it's focused on one thing and one, one thing only, getting these candidates in there so we can get them working for the American people again. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, everybody understands the situation with Ron DeSantis and Donald Trump. Ron DeSantis kind of rose to prominence because of Donald Trump. Donald Trump endorsed him, pushed him over the finish line, got him elected. And then Ron DeSantis basically started copying Donald Trump and copying his policies and even his mannerisms in some respect. And I, I think the vast majority of the MAGA movement loves Ron DeSantis and loves what he's doing, but recognizes he's not the leader of this movement. He uh, he's riding the wave that President Trump created. And so that, that will all get sorted out. I hope for uh, Governor DeSantis' sake, like I said earlier, I voted for him and I, I want to see him continue on. But I think if he actually tries to go toe to toe with President Trump, I think it'll be the end of his political career. It, it's not it's not his time. It's not the right move for America. And I think he needs to sit this one out. But, you know, time will tell uh, what he does. Yeah, that's the, that's the fact of the matter. And, and I think that, you know, I, I think people internally, there are people hyping him up. I mean, we talked to people close to the DeSantis campaign and his offices and like filling his head up with garbage. But when you just look at the numbers, when you look at the 17 other candidates that Donald Trump absolutely laid waste to in 2015, embarrassingly, yeah. and, and a lot of pe- people who 30 year politicians just had absolutely no answer for him. And uh, to think that, you know, to say that Donald Trump maybe lost a step or he isn't as harsh as he used to be like Donald Trump's in campaign for the nation right now. He's not campaign for president mode when it's campaign for president mode. It's no longer the savior of the, the country. It's now he's switching gears to being the representative of the free world. And that's when you'll see the absolute. Well, he, nobody likes to use the N word. Donald Trump says it himself all the time the nuclear option on all these people that try to get in his way. But, uh, you know, I think that's where, where we're kind of at. Christina, I got one more audio clip of you. We talked about her at the top. Yeah, Ronald McDaniel was making the round talking about this election cycle. Let's hear her real quick. Uh, if President Trump announces that he's going to run in 2024, will there be a competitive full-throated GOP primary? Is it good or bad for the party? Shannon, I am not talking about 2024. <laughs> it is all about nine days from now and the midterms. And what I will say about President Trump is he has done 30 rallies with our candidates. People actually want to be seen with President Trump, unlike Democrats who don't want to be seen with Joe Biden. He's raised so much money. He's done 50 fundraisers for different candidates. He's raised hundreds of millions of dollars into the committees, the NRCC, the NRSC and the RNC. So he is out working on behalf of other candidates to make sure we win these majorities. Just stop short of calling him the clear and and mm-hmm. front-running <laughs> leader of the party, which she couldn't st- quite say it, but yeah. So all of the stats that she just listed, who has come close to doing anything remotely close to no, that? Not nobody. 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 I mean, it's Donald Trump. You, you could probably put a half dozen of the most prominent politicians on either side of the aisle together, and they haven't done the work that he's collectively. Done. That's right. They so, haven't. I, I mean, that's kind of where we're at. It, it's good to hear her say those things. It, I could see like the demons wanting to be released from her <laughs> while she's saying it. But yeah, <laughs> D- Donald Trump had a lot of meetings. We, we we've highlighted these meetings. We know he had to sit down with Rick Scott and 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 some of the prominent senators that wanted to talk about America first shortly before Newt Gingrich sat down with Kevin McCarthy, and then they all met with Devin Nunes and had the meeting at Trump Golf Course in D.C. to kind of, t- and it looks like ever since that, those two weeks there where they kind of had like their in-house services, everybody kind of went their own ways and, and has 
bought into this, everybody except Mitch McConnell, of course, he'll still always be the tortoise from the never-ending story, but... Oh, it is what it is with him. We do have so many good senators coming in there. There's going to be quite a pushback on his, you know, not MAGA first agenda, I think, come January. Christina, we, we thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule. We know you're getting ready to hit the road. We look forward to talking with you on election night in some context from the great state of Michigan. But for everyone that's not following you, where can they find you? You can find me on Truth Social at Christina Bob or Instagram and Twitter at Christina underscore Bob. And thank you guys so much for having me. I always love, love being on your show and look forward to it always. No, Christina, we'll be looking forward to talking to you on election night and we'll live link your socials in the show description today. And obviously, hopefully before Thanksgiving, we'll get you back for another uh well, a little bit of enjoyment of what we like to call Doug Vember here on Steak for Breakfast. This is the attorney for Save America, one of the hardest working women we know. Miss Christina Bob, thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you. Joining us next on the show today, he is the Trump-endorsed America First gubernatorial candidate, great state of Maryland, coming in with a big end of the campaign trail update, Mr. Dan Cox. Thank you, sir, for coming back on the show. Oh, it's an honor. Thank you all so much for having me once again. It's a great honor to fly this flag of freedom and to make sure that our America First values are upheld, even in deep blue Maryland. And, you know, it's winning hearts and minds because people see this as common sense, reasonable, make sure that our state is secure from this open border craziness, madness. I mean, we have MS-13 flooding the streets. And, um, you know, when you look at the crime issue here in Maryland and the high taxes and the educational concerns, um, we're, we've got a great campaign and we're, we're looking to win in seven days. No, well, you talked about, you know, changing hearts and minds. A big part of that goes into the strong debate performance you had not too long ago. You want to let our listenership know about some of the high points from that. We played some clips of it on our show, but uh, you really landed some major haymakers and brought some receipts when it came to uh, uh, holding the Democrat nominee to task. Well, sure. You know, uh, setting aside a, the couple of the um, issues that everybody is talking about, and that is the fact that he claims to be from Baltimore and he's not, the fact that he has um, represented that he has a bronze star of valor for his service and he does not. A lot of veterans are angry about that. Setting all of those uh, foolish things aside, which he, he uh, which question his character, the issues that he supports are shocking. He, he abs- He's on a record with Salon.com to defund the police. And he goes further than that. He says he wants to indict the system because of 400 years of oppression dating to 1619. Now, we know that that means um, that he's one of these uh, individuals who wants to undermine the Constitution. And Marylanders won't stand for that, uh, particularly when our streets are, are really uh, bleeding. We've got the worst crime situation in Baltimore City in our history, and we're second in the nation to Chicago for murders. This is going to end. Uh, I'm, I'm going to make sure it ends on my watch. No, I definitely think that, uh, you know, crime and the economy are two of the things that a lot of the candidates who have had as much success as yourself, Dan, ha- have really stumped on. We've got a lot of receipts, policies that are implemented, uh, people who are in office right now that just circumvent both the Constitution and the rule of law. And uh, that right. was on, that was on display during your debate, which talks about the tightening polls there now in Maryland. I mean, you call it a deep blue state, and historically it has been, but when you talk about places that are usually not very uh, keen to turning in midterm election cycles, places like Washington, Oregon, New York, and even Connecticut, mm-hmm. and Ma- Connecticut, New Hampshire, and Maryland. Now uh, the polls are tightening. Right. What can you say about those numbers that are, that are looking to show uh, you're, you're having one of the strongest finishes in all the governor's races right now? Yes, it's very exciting. We're seeing a trend right now that um, the swing voters are moving our way by 66%. This is a massive shift and it's 
because of the debate, I think people began to realize, wow, uh, my opponent is out there. He's he's got a uh, defund the police approach, and on his website, he is literally against parents um, having a, a say in their children's education regarding this gender ideology that they're indoctrinating from pre-K on up. This is a problem. Most parents don't want that. They want to have a say in uh, dec- deciding when the uh, the curriculum is um, teaching sexual subjects and. You know, it's horrible that right now in Maryland, they're indoctrinating kids with CRT and gender ideology from pre-K on up. This has caused gender dysphoria to increase in Montgomery County, Maryland alone by 300%. So Democrat moms are coming our way. They're saying, let's get back to world-class education, reading, writing, and arithmetic. We're smart enough to know how to love one another without indoctrinating and brainwashing our kids. Yes. And like you said, the economy is it. It's the economy right now. I mean, we are hurting and everyone in this country is hurting and they know that the Washington politicians are the ones causing this. The inflation's out of control. And I'm very honored to that my opponent has said that I would govern the state like Ron DeSantis uh, does in Florida. That's the best thing they could have said about me. And uh, at the same time, we've got Obama, Hillary <laughs> and Biden and even Kamala coming here. To, to stump for my opponent. So we're going to win. No, we definitely feel the same way. And, and when you talk about one of those big issues regarding the children, both their education uh, in the classroom and then some of the progressive stuff that they're trying to shove on them, the sexualization, the transition, the, the, the trans mm-hmm. uh, agenda. Listen, we've seen it resonate in, in big governor's races up in Michigan with Tudor Dixon, also in New York with uh, mm-hmm. Lee Zeldin, and you are no uh, exception to the rule. It has resonated with the parents there because at the end of the day, you know, policy could be one thing, whether or not you care for the candidate or, or what their stumbling points are or another thing. But when you bring it into the home and, and parents go home yeah. at the end of the day and they're thinking about what their deciding vote is and they look at their children and they say, you know, there's an opportunity for my child to come home and, and have things done to them that are irreversible and I won't have a say in it. That's where a lot of parents are drawing the line right now. It's exactly true. And we had Abigail Martinez come from California to warn us at the recent uh, heritage foundation. And, you know, her daughter was taken away from her care because she objected to this uh, hormone uh, chemical change to her body. And uh, she ended up with two hours of uh, weekly visitation and the daughter despaired and ran away from the foster care home and threw herself in front of a train and killed herself. And this was horrific. And yet, right now, this is an issue in Maryland. We've got this happening behind parents' backs, and they're, they're, they've had enough of it. They said, no, let's get back to education. Let's make sure. Look, right now, we have a serious problem with high schoolers not being able to get good jobs. But yet, if we increase the apprenticeship and the tech programs like I intend to do, they're going to have opportunities with certifications right out of high school for $35 and up jobs. So this is the future, and we know that our Republican America First values are what are winning hearts and minds. So I'm excited to keep pushing forward and win. And speaking about bringing some more of those voters who are going to go out on Election Day over to your campaign, what do the next seven days look like as you were just a week away from Election Day? Well, we have about seven stops today. I'm touring businesses. I'm on the media, and yesterday was the same. We are working hard straight through the finish line, 18-hour-plus days. And what we're doing is trying to um, reach out to the uh, swing voters as well as our own get-out-the-vote effort to get Republicans to the polls and say, look, we can win this if you just show up. And so that's happening. And on the other side, you know, we're also bridging the gap by saying, look, you may not agree with everything that uh, you know, that I am uh, standing for. Um, but at the end of the day, 
it's about your kids too. And do you really want to have your streets running uh, wild with this, uh, the gangs and the MS-13, which is right here. I mean, they're, they're literally busing in undocumented um, aliens here at night. And some of them are good people, and I'm, it's, that's fine. But there are little terrorists coming across our border, and they're in our streets. There was a young lady that was killed and dumped in my district as a state delegate. I find that abhorrent. Yeah. And we've got to end it, and it's something that I think people are awakening to. No, that's the fact of the matter there. I mean, regardless of what state you're in, whether it's Florida or Michigan, New York, California, or even Maryland, like these issues affect everyone, regardless of your political affiliation, regardless of your party historical voting record. And I think you've done the job. Listen, you primaried someone who had presidential aspirations in in, in the Republican primary, and you've parlayed that into a strong finish here in in the general election, Dan. We want to be able to direct all of our listenership to give you as much support as we can down the stretch here, whether it's monetary coming for out-of-state or anyone who's not already involved involved in Maryland, boots on the ground, making phone calls, yeah. knocking on doors, or, or showing up to your events. Where can we find you on Thank social you. media, and uh, what's your campaign website? Yeah, this is so important. Uh, if everybody can understand that the DNC is trying to use Maryland as a microcosm to shove, uh, in, in coupling with California, to shove their ideology on Virginia, on Florida, on Texas, all of our red states and all of our freedom-loving states, they want to take that away. And a proof of that is the $2 billion pandemic prevention center right here in Rockville, Maryland, that is uh, producing a vaccine passport for the nation. Regardless of your views, uh, we cannot give away our bodies to the international uh, um, globalists. So this is resonating, and they can go to coxforfreedom.com, help us out. We're holding the line. We're called the old lion state, and I'm running hard to restore freedom to this free state. Uh, we will live link those in the show description today, Dan. We wish you the best of luck and health down the home stretch here, last seven Thank days, you. and we'll be looking to circle back before you're uh, sworn into office in January. This is the Trump-endorsed America First Republican nominee, governor's race, great state of Maryland, Mr. Dan Cox. Thanks for coming back on the show. Thank you. Thanks so much. God bless. But these days, just about every Republican politician seems obsessed with two things, owning the libs, Oh, man, we're going to own the libs. And getting Donald Trump's approval. That seems to be their agenda. They are not at, they're not currently at least, they are not interested in actually solving problems. They are interested in making you angry and then finding somebody to blame. Because that way they're going to, they're hoping you may not notice you may be distracted from the fact that they don't really have any answers to your problems. What? We don't have answers to energy independence, uh, strong military. Crime. Children learning instead of learning how to do blowjobs. The border. Secure border. Geopolitics. Not being a fucking farce in the world uh, stage. Hmm. How about that? That was the 44th president of the United States oh. parroting Chris Christie Sunday morning talk show talking points um, while on the campaign trail in Michigan yesterday. Definitely, definitely interesting to hear Barack Obama and Chris Christie dropping the same exact rhetoric uh, 24 hours. He's kind of morphing back into his old uh, speech patterns there, but not quite all the way. I don't know what the accent level is in uh, Michigan. Yeah. But we're neither here nor there. We're going to get best of the rest right now in our news, too. 
Congressman Jim Jordan um, was on Fox News last night, and he was talking about some of the stuff that's on the other side of the midterm elections now just a week away um, regarding investigations stemming from things that were at one point considered disinformation. Let's hear the congressman from Ohio weigh in. Well, a question on impeachment, that'll be decided by the whole conference. Uh, you know, here's what I want to focus on. Two years ago this month, 51 former intel officials signed a letter that said the Hunter Biden story had to quote all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. That was BS. People knew it at the time it was BS, but they put that together and that became the pretext for suppressing that story so that we, the people, couldn't have access to important information just days before the most important election we have, election for president of the United States. How did that get put together? How did those 50, that many of those people still have a security clearance? Were they talking to the FBI? Because remember, the FBI went and talked to Mark Zuckerberg and said, oh, Facebook, you might want to keep this off. This has all the earmarks of Russian disinformation. Mm. That impacted the election. And I thought my colleague, Matt Gates made a great point in committee a couple weeks ago. He said, when is the FBI not going to influence an election? 2016, they spied on President Trump's campaign. 2018, it was the Mueller investigation. 2020, they suppressed that Hunter Biden story, called it Russian disinformation. And in 2022, they raided the home of a former president 91 days before the midterm election. So why don't the FBI just stay out and quit being political and let the country decide, let the people decide who's going to represent them? So that is something we need to dig into for the, for the, for the sake of our country. We need to get an answer to how they put that together and suppress that key story. That's something I want to look into. Yeah, uh, well, I, I think that that's very fair. I think a lot of people would look at that and they do want to have confidence in the FBI and they have seen sort of the picking and choosing that uh, appears very partisan. And you have whistleblowers, as you say, from the FBI who say that they were told basically, you know, put that Hunter Biden case aside. We're too close to an election. We don't want to be involved in it. And as you point out, um, there's a good argument that they've been involved in pretty much every election in the past uh, six or eight years or so. Um, with regard to Hunter Biden, what would your intentions be? Well, that, that investigation will be run out of the Oversight Committee. I don't think it'll be headquartered in, uh, you know, in, in the Judiciary Committee. I think my good friend and colleague, uh, Mr. Comer, will run that investigation if, in fact, the American people put us in the majority, which I think they're going to do. Uh, so it'll be there. I know Jamie is very concerned about these 150 suspicious activity reports that the Treasury Department has. We'd like to know what, the, what, the, what those say. So that's something I think we'll focus on as well relative to the Biden family, quote, business operation. All this is important, but the broad picture is Joe Biden has this narrative where he's called half the country fascist and extremist, and the FBI seems to be trying to make sure that that is the narrative that they get. This is what FBI, what these whistleblowers have told us. There's even a purging, some of these guys have said. They're trying to get rid of folks in the FBI who have conservative beliefs. So that is, that is part of this broad concern we have with the Justice Department, specifically the FBI. Uh, and we're going to investigate the specific matters and that broad general concern. Well, that's an appropriate role uh, of Congress to make sure that the judiciary and the FBI are treating everyone in this country fairly. Uh, and we'll see what happens. Jim Jordan, good to see you. We're headed to your home state tomorrow, and we are yeah. looking forward to it. Thanks so much. I'm glad you're, I'm glad you're coming. What do you guys think? Yeah, that's a, that's pretty good. Uh you know, commentary from, from Jim Jordan, who's looking to chair the Judiciary Committee following the midterms. And uh, looks like we're going to be getting a heap and helping of investigations. I saw today that uh, the Republican caucuses up on Capitol Hill were definitely calling for uh, possible impeachments for Alejandro Mayorkas, the head of the Department of Homeland Security. And oh, he should be a number one behind old 
corn pop. Yeah, well, don't forget about the uh, U.S. Attorney General Merrick Garland for all the stuff that he's done in collaboration with the Department of Homeland Security and the weaponization of the FBI. We now found out after these DHS tapes were released, you know, coordinating these things with the FBI can't be done without the the assistance of the acting Attorney General and what Merrick Garland is. So. I just think that uh, big stuff to look forward to, you know, kind of want to tease it there. We do have a lot of work to do over the course of the next week as well. So let's keep that in mind. Uh, We did see, you know, we've heard from some of the bigger guns that were brought out across the country. And, uh, you know, Joe Biden was sent home to Delaware this weekend. They sent him home? Yeah, he was not on the campaign trail. He is going to be doing some events here down the stretch. I believe he's going to be in Georgia, which uh, we feel, Trump world feels, is, is now getting out of the reach of Democrats. I don't see Raphael Warnock winning the Senate seat, and obviously nope. Brian Kemp is going to reclaim the governorship there for another term. But they did catch him coming out of the ice creamery, mm. and, uh, you know, they wanted to hear about... Uh, what flavors he was eating? Close. Well, it's not who was eating what flavors. It was who was eating what. The narrative on the Paul Pelosi sex of Palooza gate. Ooh. Let's hear it. And the generic point I want to make is that... You know, it's one thing to condemn the violence, but you can't condemn the violence unless you condemn those people who continue to argue the election was not real, that it's being stolen, that all the all the malarkey that's being put out there to undermine democracy. <laughs> it's not being it was. You can't just apologize and say the violence. It affects people's mentality. It affects how people think, particularly people who are not maybe as stable as other people. So the the talk like John has Fetterman? to stop. That's the problem. That's the problem. We can't just say, I feel badly about the violence. We condemn it. Condemn what produces the violence. And this talk produces the violence. Thank you. Is all this talk about, uh, about violence, is that them basing this as their weird cover story that this was some MAGA domestic violent extremist that wanted to break Nancy Pelosi's Jug caps? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. He definitely wanted to uh, hammer down on those America, <laughs> America last milkers. <laughs> so, oh, man, what a weekend it was. Um, you know, and and that's that's kind of the stuff we're seeing. You know, Bernie Sanders doesn't know where he is. Barack Obama doesn't know what he's talking about. And then Joe Biden just tries to memorize what was on the teleprompter before, you know— what the the media ambushed them there outside of the ice cream shop, and uh, it's just not the message that is resonating with the American people. They know that this whole country has been turned upside down by Joe Biden's America Last policies and and all of the nasty rhetoric and canceling of conservative voices across social media. So that's that's kind of where we're at. But you know they they would continue it on. One of your favorites, no? I know you miss her greatly. Ugh. You know who I'm talking about? I have a pretty good idea. Jen Psaki? Yeah. Yeah, she was talking about uh, the big ticket item of uh, inflation on the on the big old town hall edition of MSNBC's propaganda wing of Sunday news talk circuit. MSDNC or MSCCP? Well, somewhere in the middle when it's, well, remember she did wear the big, the furry Russian hat. Uh, outside of the White House at one point when she got invited to dinner with the Obamas. Um, let's hear her kind of uh, double down and lie on the economy. Speaking of that environment, Jen, I mean, when you look at the economy and you look at inflation, it consistently raises the top issue to voters. And Republicans, when you ask those folks who say that, they're consistently saying they're going to vote Republican by pretty lopsided margins. 
Is there anything Democrats could have done? Was there a missed opportunity here for Democrats to not face that kind of a headwind? Look, on inflation, it's a global issue. It's happening around the world. I you, think there's not think? a lot Democrats could have done to change that reality. What? Oh, my gosh. Really? That's just, really? Hey, I think you heard the woman speak. Uh, don't be labeled with disinformation. Mm. <laughs> knock, knock. Goodness. Rick Scott, who's looking to do big things mm. in the Senate following the midterm elections, Um is extremely optimistic ever since meeting with the president and then being out campaigning uh, for Republicans across the country, donating a lot of money on behalf of the Republican Senate committee to uh, races that we needed money poured into. He was on ABC News's This Week in Fake News this Sunday and talked about the optimism level he has following the midterm elections. And let's turn to the midterms. You're predicting Republicans will win 52-plus seats in the Senate. 53 Which minimum. states are you most confident Republicans will flip next month? Well, we're, we're going to keep all 21 that we have up. Um, I think the hardest has been uh, Pennsylvania, but Dr. Oz will win against Fetterman. But we're going to pick up Georgia. We'll pick up Nevada. I think we have every reason to believe we're going to pick up uh, Arizona yep. and probably New Hampshire. And then we have possibilities with Tiffany Smiley in Washington, Joe Day in Colorado, Leora Levy in Connecticut. So we have we have a lot on we have a lot in play. Uh, the Democrat agenda is very unpopular. Uh, the rallies I've been traveling with Ronna McDaniel, the chairman chairman of the Republican National Committee for the last two weeks. Unbelievable uh, support on the Republican side. Turnout looks better for the Republicans than Democrats. So I'm very optimistic that we're going to win. We have great candidates. Nothing to outside of the realm of the truth there. What do you think, Noah? Yeah, I mean, we do have great candidates comparatively. I mean, not even comparatively, just in general. But when you actually compare compare the candidates, we have stellar candidates. And what do you think it is that, that really, you know, has made the biggest impact in this election cycle? I mean, the, the group of candidates is, is completely... Uh, diverse to what we're normally seeing, you know, uh, an elderly white male in a suit and tie is your standard Republican candidate who's talking about fiscal conservatism, lowering your taxes, comprehensive immigration reform. And it doesn't seem like we have any of those issues really near the top ticket uh, in, in this midterm election cycle. Do you think it's a combination of Joe Biden's policies and how fast they've been able to destabilize everything? Or do you think it's something else? I, I mean, you can't, you can't be a sane person and ignore what they've done to the country, to the world, just by our poor leadership. Yeah. I mean, that's a big part of it right there. And, and do you think that some of these candidates who you might not even have thought, I mean, listen, they were all on our show early because we're always slumming and taking anybody who's running, especially <laughs> once they get that Trump endorsement. Uh, you know, but the, but the fact of the matter is, is that um, – I think that uh, the way crime and the border and the fentanyl epidemic and combined with the economy and things like that uh, have all kind of balded into, you know, the country's in a huge fucking disaster and, and we need comprehensive help to, to fix it. Yeah, there, there's no way we can continue on this road and not just have devastating effects for the future of our country for generations. Like we've already damaged generations just by these idiotic lockdowns and nonsense that they were doing, but... I mean, now we have record inflation that people are probably going to be very hard-pressed to bounce back from unless something changes very quickly. Well, yeah, that's an absolute good point. I mean, CNN would kind of stick to that point, and they talked on it as well. 
And, you know, to, to hear people like the, uh, the CNN panel kind of went sideways fast when you're talking about the former Democrat mayor of Miami jumping on there to dogpile on an anti-Donald Trump, uh, you know, rhetoric-filled segment and then saying how Joe Biden and his friends haven't been able to do anything to help fix the economy. Nope. Uh, yeah, I think it pretty much Awkward. says enough. Let's hear it. Yeah, and for many of these voters across the country, not just in Pennsylvania, it does come down to the economy. And, Philip, let me ask you about that, because I read a Democratic pollster say that the most concerning matter for Democrats right now should be that independent voters don't trust the party to handle rising prices. Do you agree with that assessment? A hundred percent. I mean, think about it. We had the PPP fraud. I call it the Gucci LVMH Chanel giveaway because that's what it seemed like a lot of the money was being used for. And then, of course, we had the, the, the student loans, which is great for those that weren't able to pay back their loans. But a lot of people that paid back their loans feel that it wasn't right. And they put billions of dollars back into the economy. So I think the, the customer, who's the voter, looked at that and said, we have inflation. Why are you fanning that flame and making it worse? Oof. So I have to believe in what I hear is that people don't have that sense of confidence in the Democrats right now. Uh, they don't see it in all the cities. We don't see it in New York. We don't see it in Chicago. There's a sense of insecurity, economic, as Look well as your own there. personal safety. So I have to agree <laughs> with that, Paul. And, I, and I'm sorry to say that so goes Florida. I believe so goes the nation. Ooh, and if that's the case there, as it usually is in presidential elections, that spells nothing but trouble for the Democrats uh, just a week from today. No trouble is their middle name. Uh, rounding third here. No, we're almost home. Don't fret. We've only got just a bit left, but I can't think of talking about anything else other than the absolute truth and the voice of reason um, than playing a little Joy Reid for you. Ooh. You know you love her. Fire up that garrison button. She is, after we have incurred two years of fake repression polls, we're now in the reverse fake repression poll where they're showing that Republicans are winning in all margins so people don't go out and vote. It was Republicans are losing by so much, don't go out and vote. Perfect. Yeah, she's talking about how, well, even though her her news outlet continuously spouts out fake ones, the polls are fake. So <laughs> let's hear Joy Reeves get, get nice and racist about it. A little over a week away from our own midterm elections. And if you believe the recent headlines, you would think that MAGA fascism is ascendant. Oh. If you get past those headlines and dig a little deeper, you uncover an insidious and seemingly intentional campaign by Republican-backed polling firms to flood the zone and tip the balance of polling averages in favor of their candidates oh. to create a narrative that Republicans are surging and that a red wave is imminent and inevitable. Yes, yeah, it is. Our friend and Democratic pollster Simon Rosenberg has been Democratic. sounding the Dem alarm Democratic. for weeks Perfect. about this wave of polling, <laughs> noting that if the roughly 40 of the roughly 40 polls taken in key battleground states, more than half, half are from Republican firms or groups. Over the weekend, the New York Times released four new polls in key battleground states, which showed Democrats either in the lead or tied oh. with their opponent. Nope. So why are their polls telling a different story? According to Nate Cohn of the New York Times, most of the polling over the last few weeks is coming from partisan outfits, usually Republican or auto-dial firms. These polls are cheap enough to flood the zone. Mm. And it shouldn't come as a total surprise, given that one of those polling aggregators, Real Clear Politics, has become more openly pro-Trump. Stop. Back in 2020, the New York Times noted real, that Real, real Clear? Clear Politics has really? taken a rightward, aggressively pro-Trump turn. It also pointed out that their polling averages seemed skewed in Trump's favor. 
You know, the fact of the matter. <laughs> I can't wait to let that clip age well. Yeah, we'll, we'll be circling back to a whole Ooh. bunch of clips on our Friday edition of Steak for Breakfast next week. Uh, it, it's just funny to see, again, remember, all of the pollsters, no one has been more egregious than places like Fox News, seven to nine points off in the last several election cycles. Uh, most of them have skewed Democrats' way. Uh, the New York Times was probably pissed off that real, real clear politics wouldn't push their bullshit narrative, mm-hmm. at, much like the one she just showed from all her Democrat pollster friends. It showed Adam Lexalt, Blake Masters, Dr. Oz, and, and, I, and Herschel Walker. Uh, Herschel Walker was tied with Raphael Warnock at 46%, and every other Republican candidate, all three of them were losing by an average of four, which we just know is not the case. I mean, if you really think that John Fetterman is beating Dr. Oz by five points or or, you know, one of one of the other races is a four point swing like Adam Laxalt's losing the, to Catherine Cortez Masto by four or five points. Number one, you need your head examined. Yeah. Uh, don't go to John Fetterman's doctor Two. number two. You probably listen to the wrong podcast because, you know, even though we are extremely biased in our love for this country, we have tried to bring you nothing but the absolute facts for the entirety of our show. I don't really ever see our show getting fact checked and much like a lot of conservative podcasts, our rating has stayed up around five stars because I feel like out of all of them, we just don't normally go off on tangents that really lead into the conspiracy theories or, or at the end of the day, things that don't actually come to fruition. Speaking of ratings, mm-hmm. how are we doing against Don Lamont? I'm going to have to check his new one. You know, it just launched, so I, I want to give the guy a little time to get his traction. And listen, anyone that's worked the night shift, you know switching to days, it's it's a rough transition. So so we're going to give him a minute. We're not going to, we're not going to take anything away from him. Um, but you know what? We have painted a, a brilliant picture for you guys today, and we're going to cap it off, unfortunately, with, uh, well, part of the Mick leadership. Kevin McCarthy was on with Harris Faulkner yesterday on Fox News, and, and he was talking about energy production in America. I, I think it's a good talking point that he brought up, and uh, it's part of the fake news narrative that, from the top of the show, we've talked about the Democrats have kind of interwoven into everywhere, and now people just, unfortunately, believe in some context. So let's hear him talk about energy independence and where we get our energy from have to be. Two years ago, we were energy independent. On the very first day that this president came in, where Democrats took total control of the House and the Senate, the first thing they did was to cut domestic ability to produce oil and gas. And then when we got into trouble, what did he do? He looked to other countries to solve it. He went to Saudi Arabia and lied to the American public, said he wasn't trying to cut a deal, but we found that it was truthful, that he was not wanting to cut production until after the election. He looks to Venezuela, to Iran. Why doesn't he look to American domestic production? Not only would we lower the price of gas, you could fill up your tank and have money left over. America would be stronger and the world would be safer. Two years ago, we didn't care what Russia or Saudi Arabia made a decision on production. Why? Because they looked at what the production was happening in America. All that will change in 12 days. Because what a, a commitment to America tells all of us is that we'll become energy independent. Not just here in America, but we could sell our our natural gas around the world that creates more jobs, more stability in America, greater growth, and also a safer community around the world because people are not buying Putin's oil. They're buying American natural gas and the environment is cleaner because American natural 
gas is 41% cleaner than Russian natural gas. Exactly. There is no argument around this except the political argument that the Democrats use that make America weaker and more dependent. And what does he do? He uses our strategic petroleum reserve for political purposes. Now he puts America in jeopardy if we have a national crisis, another hurricane. He has put us in a weaker position, not just economically, but now in an emergency basis. Mm. Don't hate it. Spoke a lot of truth there. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, the fact of the matter is, is uh, I'd like to see him continue to work for the next week. So I tell you what, I'm going to try my hardest to get Joe Ken on here either this Friday or on election night. Oh, yeah. And we're going to ask him about the awkward nature of that uh, (laughs) (laughs) little sit down he had with... uh, Kevin McCarthy yesterday, and I mean, even if it got a little weird, I mean, I think at the end of the day, Joe Ken's probably like, I could literally kill you six days from Sunday. Yeah. You'd have to kind of yield. Can I borrow your pen? No, just kidding. I don't know. No, I like it. Um, but, you know, we're hitting the stump right here. Actually, programming note. I've just confirmed that Joe Ken will be joining us on Friday. Oh, nice. Just like that. Boom. Didn't even have to time travel. I didn't even have to timestamp. I like it. So, yeah, we'll ask about that. We'll say we joked. We know how to frame it with Joe Kent. We've seen him grow in uh, regards to the interview sense, and uh, he's become one of our favorite guests and good friends. I like sending him some some fire memes, and uh, I like getting some updates from him on the road. But we'll continue to track all that stuff as we're uh, moving forward here. And now, just a week away from Big Day. And that's how we do it here on Steak for Breakfast. What do you think, Noah? Into it. Like it. Just I'm ready w- for next week. Yeah, I certainly am as well. Uh, and if you've enjoyed this episode and like to hear the other 182 editions of the Steak for Breakfast podcast, you can find us across every downloadable podcasting platform. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, Podata, Google Podcast, FM Player, iHeartRadio, Patriot Podcast Network on the Roku app, or even on Frank's Speech. Subscribe to the show and rate it, leave a review, and don't forget to download, listen, like, follow, and share Steak for Breakfast content. Show creds go out to all our amazing guests today. The spokeswoman for the 45th president of the United States, Ms. Liz Harrington, attorney for Trump's Save America, Ms. Christina Bob, and the Trump-endorsed America First gubernatorial candidate, great state of Maryland, Mr. Dan Cox. Great circling back with all of them, and I hope you guys enjoyed listening to it. In addition to them, some of our internet friends, we've got the Shoe White Memes, Patriotic Big Accounts, Ultra Garbaggio, and Connet Twitter. Gotta love them. Friends, don't forget to go out and throw some cash at our partners. You know when that happens... You help make small American businesses great again, namely my pillow. Mike Lindell's always got shit on sale. That's the fact of the matter. <laughs> you enter promo code to take a checkout, you're going to enjoy big, big savings. Anywhere from 25% off coffee to up to 70-ish percent off, maybe even more because he's got the overstock sale on anything sleep-related. MyPillow.com forward slash steak is the website for bed-related materials, breakfast stuff, mystore.com forward slash steak. You could always call and talk to that qualified pillow representative, 1-800-658-8045. The top tier of ear gear and the best damn headphones I've ever owned can only be purchased at Odyssey. Make the investment. If you're doing anything serious in the studio, be serious about the way you hear it. Odyssey.com is the website. You can find them on Facebook and Instagram as well. My Patriot Cigar Company, our good friend Alan's rolled out a promo code for us. We've even got the uh, jump link in our show description on all platforms. Just click it and it'll take you right to the steak page. You enter steak there at checkout. You're getting 15% off your total order. Orders over $100, free shipping, $10 e-gift card every purchase. MyPatriotCigar.com is the website, a premium smoke for freedom-loving patriots. West Coast Survival Arms, our good friend Mike has a simple equation for all your gun-related needs, firearms, parts, ammo, and accessories. 
His newly redesigned, easy-to-use website is westcoastsurvivalarms.com. You can hit him up on Facebook Messenger if you have any questions or via the telephone, 619-870-6992. Man rubs! Anything this week, Noah? Uh, I'm going to be prepping for next week pretty soon with uh-huh. a lot of man rubbiness. I'll have to cash app you some cash. I actually need to order some more man rubs, to be honest. There you go. Maybe you get it on Rush. Um, but you want to know what? Delicious. Anything to compliment your barbecue apparatus. I'm going to say it twice during this one. You buy it, shake it, smoke it. Rub it. Tear it up. Hammer it. Throw it in your mouth. Num, num, num. I love it. Manrubs.com is the website. Steak for breakfast backs the blue. We love our first responders, and they're always working hard. Mediocre Medic's got everything you need in their store. You're going to love it. You're going to like their Instagram a little bit more. MediocreMedic.com is the website there. And last but certainly not least, guys, Christmas season's coming. Just go check out Dumpbox.us. Get yourself something from there. I guarantee if you go to the website, you will find something you will thoroughly enjoy. Hit me up in the DMs for a promo code for all our military people out there. I'll give you the uh, the good goods. Dumpbox.us is the website. They're on Facebook and Instagram as well. Upcoming shows. We'll be back on Friday. So far, Jake Denton of Heritage Foundation and the Washington Three Republican nominee, Trump endorsed America First, Joe Kent will be here. Live show next Tuesday. We're going to be going 5.30 p.m. Pacific, 8.30 p.m. Eastern. We're going to be live across all the platforms we're usually on. Christina, Bob, Eric Knight, Mike Crispy, and Cash Patel will be just some of the guests we've got scheduled and more. Country music sensation, True Social sponsored Alex Wilkins will be in for an interview and a performance on the 11th of November. And on the 15th, Cash Patel and J.W. Gibbons of The Daily Caller will be here as well. Friends of the Week, we got our True Social Twitch streamer crew, Beastie Man 420, Siberian Kitten, Real Lazy Boss, American Nintendo, Suitcase, CSM Master, and Burger Man. Indiana, Indiana Zoomer was Sharon Galore this week. So is Jason E. Van Gundy, 13 Gen Patriot, and some call me Tim79. Thomas Bama, we see you too. Ghost Hammer is one of our great friends. In addition to them, some of the meme team. CP3 memes. Trump and Sons episode 15. Thought we missed it. We didn't. We loved it and shared it. Grand old memes. Madam America. Smokehantis81 was nuked. We'll live link in our uh, Instagram stories when her new account gets thrown back up on Instagram. Mostly peaceful memes. The real meme DeLorean. Right-wing savages. Carrie Lake and Doug Mastriano keep sharing the shit out of us, so they're in uh, Friends of the Week as well. Guys, things to remember between now and Friday. Number one, do your own research. Got to get those numbers in there. Read between the bullshit. Go and do your own research. You're getting ready to go to the polls next week. Be prepared. Number two, start a podcast. Noah? Not too bad. I like it. Number three, let's start talking about American greatness again. We can start talking about it a little bit this week. We're going to get a heap and helping of it over the weekend with four Trump rallies scheduled. And we'll be talking about it a lot more on the other side of these midterm elections. And last but certainly not least, let's see what happens. This has been episode 183 of the Steak for Breakfast podcast. And we'll be back with episode 184 on Friday. Jake Denton of the Heritage Foundation and Trump endorsed Washington 3 Republican nominee Joe Kent are already scheduled to be here. Who knows who's going to jump on between now and then. But in the meantime, and on behalf of the pod team... I'm Roan. Noah? Later. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week and take care. What better costume to wear this year than the most ridiculous one I could think of? You.
This year, I'm going as an uber-woke, overly anxious, perpetually offended 20-something. Would you like to see what I have for this costume? Okay. I think you're going to really enjoy it. Okay. First of all, I have my Fuck the Patriarchy t-shirt. Oh, yes. And then I have a check from the Patriarchy to pay my car insurance. <laughs> okay, I've got my, uh, my nose ring. My, my vape pen. I've got my cloth surgical mask. My surgical mask. My N95 mask. And my face shield. Then after I leave the house, I have my clonopin to take the edge off, my Adderall to put it back on. I have my participation trophy, my cat ear headphones to listen to sad music, the stick that goes up my ash, and the leash for my support animal. And just in case anyone still doesn't get what I'm all about, I have a wet blanket. 